the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's continue with the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm back in the saddle again. Linda's surgery went really well on Friday. Uh, She got uh, past, I think, the uh, majority of the pain on Saturday after the uh, uh, nerve block totally wore off. And uh, she's doing well. I I ordered her a, a wheelchair. It got here today just before I left to come to work. I talked to her. She said that she's been getting around in it a little bit, and she's been, you know, doing her typical hop and move kind of thing that she does with her walker. So for a couple of weeks, maybe three, she'll be doing that. Uh, it's going to take that long to the point where she gets to the doctor, gets the sutures taken out and all of that, all the sutures and all that. And then uh, they're going to put her in a walking boot, and, uh, you know, she'll be able to walk around like, uh, Boris Karloff from Frankenstein a little bit and uh, she'll be like that for six to eight weeks total uh, from the surgery on so figure another three to four weeks after she gets the boot on and then she'll be out but uh, she's doing okay she's got she's keeping a pretty good outlook um, not so much on Saturday when the pain was really popping um, uh, my wife doesn't handle pain really really well but uh, you know, it was, uh, it's been tough. It's uh, people don't realize how, how much a broken bone can hurt. And, uh, you know, for her, she broke her ankle in three different places, the left, the right side, and the both, both sides. And then the back. So she's, they put a bunch of screws in evidently in a metal plate in the back. Doctor says this is not going to hinder her in her movements later on, but, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's doing much better today. I, I think as we go along now, every day will be better because you just, you know, now it's just a matter of getting healed up, letting everything heal up. So it happens. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of wait and see. I've been, I've been the all around man right now. I do the, do the laundry. I, I haven't had to do much cooking. Uh, thank goodness for my, my life group at uh, my church. Uh, they've been showing up uh, every evening with food for us. That's uh, that's godsend, man. I'm telling you. And uh, last night, some people brought. Uh, I think Ruth uh, and her husband brought by uh, some. Uh, what was it? Chicken Alfredo. It was good. And a salad. That was good too. And night before, uh, got some really good stuff as far as. Um, some vegetable soup and some cornbread. So I don't know what's going to be coming the next few nights. It's just kind of cool what's coming and what shows up, you know. I'll eat it because I, you know, I'm on that seafood diet. I see food, I eat it. So it's just the way it kind of goes. I got a lot to talk about today. This first hour, Robert Steinbach will join us in the 3 o'clock hour. We got a lot of things we, we'll, we'll talk about. But I got some sound today that you've got to hear. First of all, I got General Keene's 
uh, from Fox News, and he's talking about Iran. I want you to hear what he has to say because what he says is, is very insightful. And then we've got Greta Thunberg. I think she's the is she from Sweden? I think she's from Sweden. She's one of those Norwegian kids, I do believe. If not Sweden, then it's Norway. But bottom line, everybody's like, she's been out talking about uh, global, Sweden? Sweden. All right, she's from Sweden. Uh, she's not blonde, though. That's kind of weird. Anyway, bottom line, she was at the UN today. I guess you heard about in, in Washington, D.C., they had a big uh, climate change rally. And they shut down a lot of the major thoroughfares in D.C., made it real difficult for people to get to work, things of that nature. And uh, I don't understand why people think that that is going to, you know, make people warm up to your cause when you make it difficult for them to get to work and you and you tie up intersections and stuff. That, that's not going to uh, make people, uh, you know, love your cause, I'm just telling you. But anyway, that's happened. And then, the, and then this sixteen-year-old uh, girl spoke to the uh, to the UN. I think I'm going to start off with this, but I here's my take on this. I don't know whether to be more upset that this sixteen-year-old girl is sitting up there and spouting off all this inanity, or the people who are taking her around the world to speak to everybody and then applaud everything that she says as though she's some great soothsayer as though what she's telling, she's not a scientist. She's a, she's a 16 year old girl. Okay. Saying what she thinks is the world is falling apart. Now for all of you climate change believers out there that believe the world's going to come to an end uh, here very shortly that uh, we're having, we're going to, as, as you'll hear her say a mass extinction going on, uh, you know, more power to you. I'd hate to be you because I'd hate to live my life looking towards the future, thinking that there is nothing there for me. Now you talk about being a nihilist. That's, that's being a nihilist. And there, there's plenty of science out there on both sides to tell you that the end of the world is not coming. Well, of course, in my faith, the end of the world's not coming until God decides that it's coming. Don't matter. All right. So, with all of that said, I got this about. I think it's about five minutes long, if I'm not mistaken. It's right in that area, four, four to five minutes long. And listen to her talking to the UN. But the worst part, listen to them applaud her. My message is that we'll be watching you. <laughs> this is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you!
For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. How dare you continue to look away and come here saying that you are doing enough when the politics and solutions needed are still nowhere in sight. You say you hear us and that you understand the urgency. But no matter how sad and angry I am, I do not want to believe that. Because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil and that I refuse to believe. The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. 50% may be acceptable to you, but those numbers do not include tipping points, most feedback loops, additional warming hidden by toxic air pollution or the aspects of equity and climate justice. They also rely on my generation sucking hundreds of billions of tons of your CO2 out of the air with technologies that barely exist. So a 50% risk is simply not acceptable to us, we who have to live with the consequences. To have a 67% chance of staying below a 1.5 degrees of global temperature rise, the best odds given by the IPCC, the world had 420 gigatons of CO2 left to emit back on January 1st, 2018. Today that figure is already down to less than 350 gigatons. How dare you pretend that this can be sold with just business as usual and some technical solutions? With today's emissions levels, that remaining CO2 budget will be entirely gone within less than eight and a half years. There will not be any solutions or plans presented in line with these figures here today because these numbers are too uncomfortable and you are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us, but the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up. And change is coming, whether you like it or not. Thank you. Now, let me ask you a question, Zach. Do you think that somewhere in her genealogy, she's related to David Hogg? You know, the guy that, the, the young guy that's always talking about how evil guns are. Incredible. The thing I find really incredible is that they sat out there and applauded her. A 16-year-old kid saying that stuff. Unbelievable. All right, let's go ahead and get a break in. Un, I, I, I had to play it for you. She, They invited her to speak to them at the U.N., 
We'll never forgive you. Blah, blah, blah. Don't worry about it. I'll be dead. You won't have to forgive me. I'll be dead. All right. We'll take a break. We got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, you have a 96% chance, a 96% chance of losing $111,000 in Social Security benefits. According to new research in Bloomberg, that's right. They did the research, and they have shown that 96% of Americans lose $111,000 in Social Security benefits because you're not taking your benefits at the right time. You're taking them at the wrong time. So uh, learn how you can avoid that by attending an educational workshop called Maximizing Social Security with David Lucas And it happens uh, right here in Little Rock. There's two workshops this month, one Tuesday the 24th and the other Thursday the 26th. Registration's 20 bucks and the seats are selling fast. So here's what you need to do. Call 501-653-6690. If you've saved yourself up on $250,000, you need to call that number. And call it today. The workshop will reveal the little-known strategies that could help you wring every nickel out of your benefits that are rightfully yours. Numbers again, 501-653-6690 or register online at davidlucasfinancial.com. So over the weekend, I'd... You know, I'm watching a little bit of uh, football, and yes, yes, I watched the Razorbacks. I, I, I watched the. How long are we going to give Morrison? Got a question. How long are we going to give Morrison? You know, We've, my friend wanted him fired immediately. We have lost two games to the Mountain West now, two years. Until that time, I don't believe we'd ever lost to the Mountain West. So uh, my, my my question is, is how long do you give this guy? I mean, everybody, oh, they're just freshmen now. Look, there's a lot of high school teams in the United States could beat San Jose State. Just saying. Just saying. So anyway, how long are we going to give to him? But I watched that game. Here's the thing that bothered me the most about that game. And I might as well talk about this because it's on my mind. We tie up the game with, what, a couple minutes to go. 24-24. And the defense goes to sleep. And what kind of – and look, if your players phone it in, I understand. But I don't believe they, they, they phoned it in. I think that was one of the worst coaching jobs I probably have ever seen. I mean, you you let them march all the way down the field. Was it 79 yards they went? Almost 80 yards? I think they took this. Well, they may have started at their 20. Bottom line, it, it was a long drive. Uh, quarterback didn't have any problem completing the pass. Uh, you got kids out there that evidently still haven't been taught that you got to look back at the ball so that you didn't you don't get called for pass interference. I mean, mm-hmm. if that one bad uh, pass interference call that they made, I mean, that was a kind of a could could not be one. 
but he didn't look back. Right. If he'd looked back, I don't think there'd been a flag. Game's over at that point because it was on a fourth down. So anyway, and then to turn around and and hand the ball off and the guy scampers 20-something yards for a touchdown, you got to be kidding me. I mean, seriously, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. How long do you hold on to Morrison? That's a great question. I mean, it's just, it's question's got to be answered, and mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what. I wouldn't wait three years to answer it. You know, there's people, well, you got to give him three years. No, you don't. You don't have to give him any three years. If 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 we only win two games again this year, I think it's time jettison this guy, and you don't win an SEC game, time to jettison him. Okay, so this was, what, week four of the college football season? I think so. Okay, that was week four. They have about, what, eight more games? Yeah. So you got to see some And they're all SEC games now. Right. And so you have to That's see. the problem. Yeah. You'd want it to win this game that gave you three wins on the season. So yeah. you got a little bit of, you know, you, you won one more, mm-hmm. you know, and then you want to see a little bit of uh, of improvement in the SEC games. Yeah. But, I mean, you got Texas A&M next. Then, I mean, let's just, let's just count. You got, you got Auburn. You got uh, Alabama, I believe, we still play this year. You got LSU. Am I right? Do we have, do we have Kentucky on the schedule? For you do have Kentucky. Okay. And Kentucky ain't a pushover. No. They're not a pushover. Not back, they, they probably have lost a game that they should have won. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. I mean, and you got to play Missouri, too. That is right. Missouri's no pushover, and that's for sure as well. All right, so when we come back, because we got to get to the news here, I'll just leave it up to everybody to tell me when they got to get rid of Morrison out of up there on the hill. I mean, seriously, why you even picked him, I don't know. I don't get it. Maybe there wasn't anyone else out there. That's a good possibility. Who wants to come up, come back, and try to hold? Have to rebuild a whole program. You really have to do that at Arkansas. It's, it's going to be tough for anyone. Even Nick Saban will have a tough time here in Arkansas. I would think so. I would think so. So, uh, so what do you think about the basketball team? <laughs> what do you think about the bat? I think they might be pretty good. I I kind of have. I've got some belief in this this guy from Nevada. Was it Muscleman? Is that his name? Yes, sir. Yeah, I've got some belief in him. I mean, he's already shown that he ain't afraid to move some people out because they don't play his kind of ball. So that's going to be interesting. All right, let's get to news and coming back with us. Robert Steinbox here. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Okay, so Robert Steinbox here, and he did not get to hear Greta Thunberg. Not from, not this time, but I've from, heard her already. From, from Sweden. Uh, yeah, I'm just wondering if she is in any way related to David Hogg. He sounds a little like, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, right. I mean, it's two young, young people who are talking down to adults as well, though we're just freaking stupid. And it's it's with a sense of knowledge that, that they don't have. Well, it's virtually impossible. How can you be 16 and, and, and know that much? They've been told it. Yeah. Hey, whatever the issue is, 
they could be right, they could be wrong, but it's essential. Well, let me tell you, there's a reason that we require people to have some age and wisdom broadly before we imbue them with a, with the characteristic of gravitas. Mm-hmm. It's because when you're 12 or 16 and you say these things, well, you're parroting someone else. If you had a very talented parrot in a cage and said, uh, global warming, uh, gun control, well, you wouldn't attribute any capability to the parrot other than a ver- being a very good mimic. And that's the challenge with a 12-year-old, a 16-year-old. Don't get me wrong. At 16, you certainly can have rational and complicated thoughts, but to a point. And so that's why it seems artificial. It seems like a stunt. Well, it was a stunt. Right. And now, of course, there's a spectrum, right? If you, like I say, if you had a parrot doing it, uh, then uh, it's obviously no substance to it. And I suspect she knows some things, but a lot of what she's talking about is high science. I did hear her once being interviewed and she said, Someone said, uh, what about those people who deny climate change? As you know, Dave, and we've talked about on your show many times, the the term has changed almost as many times as assault weapon uh, phraseology has changed, right? What was it? Assault weapon. Then it was um, um, weapons of war. And then it was um, mass destruction. Yeah. And then it was uh, that it it looked like a a, a, – what's the term? Um, because I make the joke about military my pants. Military something. Like military style. That's yeah, it. Thank you, you. Right, right. So why does that term change? For the yeah. same reason that global... Uh, that was Barbara Boxer, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and why does that term change? For the same reason global warming has uh, morphed so many times. Because every time they use a term, it doesn't seem to reflect reality. I'm not... And I've told you a thousand times, that's an issue that I'm not terribly well involved in. So I don't know... If there's global warming, if there is, by the way, it wouldn't surprise me that humans are involved. We're involved in a lot of things. The question is, why shouldn't we be involved? Meaning, I'm not saying we should destroy the planet, but to think that there are no effects from what's now Robert, three and a half billion people on the earth. I got a 16 you know? year old yeah. telling me about how right. we're destroying, right. you know, the planet with climate change right. because we're putting all this crap in the air and right. stuff. I wish you'd been alive back in the, the late 60s. Right. When it would rain where I was at, right, and uh, the steel mills were putting out so much sulfur dioxide, exactly, that it turned into acid yeah, rain. Yeah, acid rain. I remember it. And uh, well. that's that's gone now. Right. The, right. the skies are actually blue. It doesn't smell like the armpit of the world in, right. in around Gary and stuff. We have come a long, long, long. Way. It's a it's a wonderful point, Dave, because this is the problem with the left. Whatever accomplishments we've made, and they're like, well, you weren't they part don't count. of it. Doesn't count. And it's all about beating up Americans at the expense of the rest of the world. You're evil, Dave. You know how much pollution the United States puts out relative to China? Are you kidding me? Well, that's what I'm saying. If right. she wants to talk to somebody, like, go talk to China. Go st- sit in front of the Politburo or right. whatever their group is called. Yeah, I don't know. The good and question. tell them right. uh, that... Uh, you know, you've taken away my dreams. You've taken away my future. I mean, you know, that's the other. You raise another excellent point, as usual, and that is, it's just hyperbole. Of course, that, it like, is. Like with the AOC types. Well, you know, what's it? Thirteen years, sixteen years, whatever. Does it matter? It's all make believe. The world's going to come to an end. Yeah. 
Dead. dead. All of us. We're all dead. That's it. Really? Really? Well, so you know what my response is? Well, then we we better start partying now. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, party like it's 1999. Exactly. Man. Because in 1999, it, would, it was supposed to be 16 years, and that's passed. Yeah. Whoops. Well, it's funny because I there was an article, and I, I forgot to print it off, and I should have. It's the 41 predictions made that for came climate change that never came true. Like all of the glaciers mm-hmm. being totally gone. Mm-hmm. Now we're building by, back up huge amounts of ice and things of that nature it's folks it's a cyclical thing there's more to it than car uh carbon dioxide uh in our in our atmosphere and uh you know chill man gotta take care of it just telling you and the thing is i'm not saying i don't know what you're saying i mean i don't know if you agree with the following but i'm not saying we shouldn't be caught we should always be cognizant of pollution first of all and I'm not saying that we shouldn't consider whether or not what we're doing may influence the temperature of the earth. But this is a complicated equation in determining that answer, as well as determining what, if any, solutions we want to adopt. But, of course, the left is all about, shut it all down. Go back and live in a cave. Yeah, Don't true. eat meat. Of course, they're flipping burgers they're in already, Iowa. Did right? you see that? Yeah. They, they're saying we should... Uh, was it uh, Yang is saying mm. we we all got to get off of meat and mm. stuff, and they cooked twenty thousand pounds mm. of hamburgers. Dave, I, I don't understand. You're confused. <laughs> Democracy <laughs> is about, or I should say, the Democratic Party. I misspoke. The Democratic Party is about telling you what to do. That's true. Not what they're supposed to do. They're the kings. They're the elected kings of the country. Okay, so let's move to one of the big stories over the weekend. You couldn't turn on one of the news channels and not hear about the phone call. Oh, the phone call. The phone call to the Ukraine and how uh, the president was asking the Ukrainian president to to look into what was going on with Biden and yeah. blah, 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 blah. Let, well, let's rewind on this, if I may. Let's talk about this because right. Biden is going to get what Biden don't want out of this. There was an article in the New York Times by, I forgot who, who said something along those lines. That is... He's going to get bit in the butt. Joe Biden's son... You Hunter? Know, Hunter, yeah. Hunter, didn't you know, is an expert on Ukrainian gas. I think he's an expert on a different type of gas, if you ask me, okay? <laughs> I think there's a lot of gas. What's that, Zach? Zach's giving me the thumbs up. He's laughing. Uh, yeah. Um, so he's apparently an expert on Ukrainian gas. Why is he an expert? Because at the time that he's hired by this Ukrainian gas company, his dad's the vice president. That's right. So let's be clear at the outset. This story starts with cronyism and corruption. That's where this story starts, and it goes downhill from there. Okay, so let's let's start the story. Yeah. All right. Hunter Biden was hired by Burisma mm-hmm. in April of 2014, two months after Ukraine's Russia-friendly president was ousted mm-hmm. by protesters, and as his father mm-hmm. was heavily involved in U.S. efforts to support the new pro-Western government and its pledge to fight corruption. Mm-hmm. The hiring of the younger Biden immediately raised concerns that the Ukrainian firm 
whose owner was a political ally of the ousted president, was seeking to gain influence with the Obama administration. Exactly. Two years later, then-Vice President Joe Biden threatened to withhold $1 billion in loan guarantees from the Ukraine unless a top prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, was fired. Mm -hmm. Shokin was accused by many in the Ukraine and in the West of being soft on corruption, but he also had been leading an investigation into Burisma's owner, Now, Trump has claimed Shokin, quote, was after Hunter Biden, and the vice president was trying to protect his son. Quote, the very thing they're accusing President Trump of doing, Biden did. Openly. uh, Representative Devin Nunes of of California. So what did did Senator Lindsey Graham have to say about this? I want to play that cut from Lindsey Graham uh, I don't have my numbers in front of me today. He's got it. No, he's got it. Here's what Lindsey Graham said. Can you imagine if this was the Trump family doing business like this? So, it, you know, I like Joe Biden. I like him a lot. Mm. But you can't have it both ways here. Yeah. They've done everything but turn the Trump world upside down. When it comes to this president, there are no rules, including a phone call. Everything is fair game when it comes to Trump. There are no privileges. So what I'm asking for is for us to take some time and effort to look at what the Ukraine may have done in the 2016 election. What role, if any, did the Bidens have to the Ukraine? Was it proper? Was it not? I promise you the American media is not going to look at it. I'm hoping somebody the Department of Justice will do for the Biden-Ukraine connection what we did for the Trump-Russia connection. There you go. It's, Dave, this is such an important point. And it's so remarkable when I watch the Sunday talk shows, other than Fox, how they've inverted it. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. But first of all, Viktor Yanukovych was the the stooge, the Politburo, not literally, right? But the Russian stooge who was put in place in the Ukraine. He was overthrown. They had a revolution yes, in the did. Ukraine. And he was overthrown. This guy that runs that gas company was one of that Russian stooge's buddies. They call them oligarchs because they own immense amounts of essentially government business. But they privatized it, but not to the people, but to individuals. Correct. So there's this prosecutor investigating this Russian stooge. So the Russian stooge says... That'd be Viktor Shlokin. Thank you. So the Russian stooge says... I best be hiring myself uh, a Biden or an Obama to cover my behind. Mm-hmm. And he hires Biden's son, wholly unqualified for the position. Of that, unless, of course, you recognize the key qualification that he did have. He was sired by a Biden. So he gets his job. What's he get paid? $50,000 a month. You know, it sounds like one of those corruption schemes we heard about here in our legislature over the last couple of uh, sessions or so. Put that aside. So he gets $50,000 a month to do something for which he's not qualified. And then the Obama administration decides. And so this the, the head of the this head of the gas company, who is a buddy of the Russian stooge who was kicked out of office, follow along with me now, will you, uh, uh, is being investigated by a prosecutor. And it turns out 
that the prosecutor may be slimy as well. Surprise, surprise. It's Ukraine after all. Right. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So all of a sudden, Joe Biden becomes the paragon of virtue. Even though his son is in a corrupt position, paragon of virtue, and he's going to go over to Ukraine and threaten the government to withhold money if they don't do... One billion dollars. One billion dollars if they don't do what he tells him to do. Now, what are they accusing Trump of? Uh, holding back money if, if the guy doesn't do... Military aid. Yeah, right. If, if, Trump do, if the Ukraine doesn't do what Trump says. So the guy who openly threatened the Ukrainian government... And did it in a, in, in, at a meeting right. of the, I think, the Foreign Relations Council or something like that. It's mm-hmm. a left-leaning group. Mm-hmm. He said this, and it's on tape. Oh, it's on the record. He said, yeah, I threatened them. I told them uh, I'm going to leave. And they said, you can't do that. Uh, only the president can do that. And uh, he said, call the president. Yeah, watch me. Watch me. Watch me. He said, oh, and every leftist media outlet yesterday said, there's no evidence that Joe Biden made that demand, that he extorted them, that he did that. Uh, um, That's not what the New York Times said back in May. Yeah, exactly. Wait, wait, wait for it. Uh, so, <laughs> right, there's no evidence that he did anything wrong. Uh, motivated by the fact that his son wanted to continue to have a job working for this buddy of the now dethroned corrupt Russian stooge in the Ukraine. That's why you have conflict of interest law, Dave. That's why the vice president's son doesn't get a job for which he's wholly unqualified for in a foreign country so as to influence the vice president. We don't have to unpack that. The mere fact that the son is making money from this corrupt oligarch and the father, who's the vice president at the time, says this investigator needs to be fired that's your proof of inappropriate behavior and so now fast forward and trump says hey when that when when the vice president came here and openly threatened to withhold money uh from the government because some prosecutor was investigating his sons the vice president's son's company the company for which he worked you guys should probably look into that have you made sure that that was all on the up and up? You know who's been all over this? Who's that? Giuliani. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been all right. over this. Right. He accused Kiev on Monday, today, mm-hmm. of laundering $3 million to Hunter Biden mm-hmm. and suggests that the Obama administration turned a blind eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, now, this is... This is a real story mm-hmm. now, not a phone mm-hmm. call. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is the real deal mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Quoted, Democratic Party doesn't call for an investigation of Biden's millions from Ukraine and billions from China. They will own it, said Giuliani. Biden's made big money selling public office. How could Obama have allowed this to happen? Will the Democrats continue to condone and enable this kind of pay for play? Yeah, well, it's just like the Clintons, right? The Clintons had the foundation. They had money funneled from all over corrupt governments into the foundation. And when Hillary lost, guess what? The foundation folded up. Nobody needed to buy off some retired former secretary of state. 
So there was no more money coming in. Of course, right? Yeah. Of course. Now let's go back, though, because it's important. Fox News reported on this back in April. Mm-hmm. All right. The New York Times published a very lengthy story on this in May, but the controversy flew largely under the radar until now. This piece of video of Biden saying that he threatened to pull a billion dollars in loan guarantees, that is going viral on the Internet. Mm -hmm. Oh, but the lefties are showing it on so-called mainstream media, and they're like, look, he did it in the open. Yes, (laughs) that's exactly what he did. He leveraged his position with with a benefit that inured to his son out in the open. Well, that's not why... Every media outlet, Dave, said, that's not why, uh, other than Fox, that's not why Biden did it. How the heck do you know? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they're, they're Biden mind readers. And they're Biden mind readers only for the benefit of Biden. I got you. When they're Trump mind readers, oh, he's the devil incarnate, baby. So as Senator Lindsey Graham said, and I will agree with him, the Detar- Department of Justice needs to look very mm-hmm. closely mm-hmm. at this and get it out to the public because I think, truth be known, it comes out, Biden will stop running for president. He's not gonna, it, it looks clearer and clearer every day that is, whether or not he's running for president, he ain't winning the nomination. Yeah. Let's take a break. Yep. we got more coming your way. All right, back with you. Dave Ellswick's show, Robert Steinbach is here. I got bad news for you. Mm-hmm. The people that you've been wanting to talk to so badly mm-hmm. about Kavanaugh. Which people? The, the author of the book? Molly. And yeah, what's right. Her name? They can only do tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. Killing me. <laughs> Sorry. Killing me. What time are they coming on? Two o'clock. Oh, my gosh. I'll record it and send mm-hmm. it to you. Well, I listened to the show. I wanted I to talk with them. I know you did. I know, but uh, I, they're supposed to get back to me this afternoon. They are they are hard, hard to get. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. hard to get. I've been working on it for well, you know this. I've yeah, been working I on it for weeks. I know it. And they finally said, "Can you do two tomorrow?" And mm-hmm. I said, two oh six is when the show starts." Right. Yes. Do they know it's central? So, yes. Okay. I said CST. Surely right. they know that means. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah we'll you, should, you got a sixty forty chance. On <laughs> yeah, those that's things. true. It's kind of crazy at times, right. but anyway, it looks like they're going to be on next week. While you're here with me, uh, we're going to have a guy on, and he used to be on Fox. Who's that? Well, his first name's Bill. There's a lot of Bill O'Reilly. Oh, really? Yeah, Bill O'Reilly. Oh, oh really, O'Reilly? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he'll be on next week. So right. We got that all that coming up here mm-hmm. in the in the near future. So, so what do you think is going to happen? You think the New York Times will come back with their story that they had in May now and bring it forth to the people again, or are they going to get real quiet? No, New York Times had a similar story about, hey, what did Hunter Biden do, and what did Joe Biden do relative to Hunter, and there's nothing in the story. There's no, uh, well, well, some people says the story. Some people say it was inappropriate for what, uh, for Hunter to take the job and for Joe to interact. So there were, let me, let me back up a little bit. There was a little bit of that. So I got to give him some credit, but it's still overall part of this general theme that there's no evidence that Joe Biden was motivated by, what evidence are you looking for? A brain scan? Like what exactly the guy's son works at the company and he's making advances regarding the company to the that would inure to the benefit 
of the sun. So that's the problem. When you engage in corrupt behavior, we can't know if it's corruptly motivated or not. Now, Biden says he has not talked to his son about any of this. His son says, yeah, they did one time. Did you see what he said his dad told him? No. I hope you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. And, uh-huh. and the reason Joe doesn't says that he talked is because he just doesn't remember it. Yeah, that's, right? so that's, that's just probably a, what, hey, a lot of truth what? to that. Huh? All right. Oh, come on, guys. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. You Don't go anywhere. I got sound today. You ain't going to believe Sheila Jackson Lee. Wait till you hear what she says about an AR-15. You won't believe it even after you hear it. Hour number two. And it just keeps getting better. Uh, let's talk about Iran a little bit here, uh, if we can. Uh, it hasn't been reported on the news. I haven't heard them say this. But the British government today said that they will back the United States in Saudi Arabia. That's big news. And I don't understand why it hasn't become How'd you hear about big it? news. Uh, it was a, a side story I read. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. From Seems like it was from one of the big uh, news folks, NBC, NBC, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was there, but I haven't heard. Have you heard it on the news today, Zach? Yeah. That prime minister said it. So uh, that's big news. That's huge news because that means... A coalition is beginning to form mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because people understand something. And for whatever reason, God knows I love Rand Paul. I really do. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of his. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to international affairs like this, he's stupid. Well, he's an isolationist, and and I don't mean that as an insult. He believes that as a general matter, the United States interests are not served by sending. Americans to go fight foreign wars. He is pretty categorical in that belief. I'm not categorical. I think that's a consideration. So in this case, for example, if if a response is warranted, I think the United States should assist, but Saudi Arabia should lead. If it affects our national interests, of course, it becomes incumbent right. upon us right. to be involved. But the question is... Is it actually within our national interest? Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, this would destroy the world economy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the United States, our, our uh, economy is moving along, perking along pretty good. Mm-hmm. Europe is not. Mm-hmm. Asia is not. Mm-hmm. You disrupt the flow of crude. Mm-hmm. You throw perhaps the, the rest of the world into a depression. And guess what? Whether we'll like it or not, we'll end up in it. Mm-hmm. Right? No, I get no, it. It's, it's important that it. we get in, in. In fact, I got General Keene. You know who General Keene is. Yes. He's on Fox News. He's right. very good. He's right. very articulate and and, uh, and and smart. He was on over this weekend with uh, Bartoloma. How, how does she pronounce her last name? Oh, Bartoloma. Yeah, Bartoloma. Like yeah. Okay. I, I don't know how to pronounce it he clearly was, yeah. as well, by the way. He was on her Maria. show. Yeah, Maria was talking to him. And, and here's this discussion. Take a listen. I want to get your take really on Iran and and what this administration should do, General, because uh, Secretary Pompeo, Vice President Pence have all called this an act of war. 
What is your take on this and how do you want the United States to react to Iran attacking the Saudi oil facilities? First of all, do what the administration is currently doing, and that is setting the conditions by going to the U.N., identifying to the international community with declassified evidence that this, the Iranians are the culprits. They are attacking not just Saudi Arabia. They are attacking the world economy to destabilize and to push it into recession. And every single member of the U.N. has a stake in that. And, and let's put that out there so they understand what is truly at risk here. And further isolate Iran politically, diplomatically, and economically. And I think we can accomplish that. But then the second thing is to stop them from continuing to hurt the world economy and push it into recession. That will take some limited military response to do just that. And I think we can get some participation in it, but let's not expect an overwhelming large coalition to participate in that. The will out there is not there for that. The United States will have to lead this effort. Why? Because it's in our national interest to protect the world from a global accession and what it would do to our own economy and to our own people are doing that. Well, yeah, so yeah, I do advocate that we have a limited military response. Well, the, these are provocations that may keep up without something, some kind of a response from the U.S., but a limited military response means what? I mean, are we going to war with Iran? Are you worried about any military response, small or large? You know, that's, that's a very good question, because the bravado and the hubris of the Iranians is that if you do anything to us, it means all-out war. Well, that's absolute nonsense. That's fear-mongering that they're doing to uh, what? To push back on us responding at all or, or responding in any way that, that truly hurts them. And I do worry, Maria. We have civilian policymakers that I'm very familiar with that are in the Pentagon. And they, they, they have this fear. They get paralyzed by the fear of the Iranians' reaction. And they don't see through the smoke screen. And here's what they have done in the past, and I don't want them to do it here. They set up options and exaggerate the risk so much so that they steer the decision-maker, in this case the President of the United States, to select an option that isn't robust enough to impose cost on the Iranians and therefore stop their behavior. Do I have any evidence of that? Yes, I do. When sarin gas was used in 2017 by the Assad regime, it was the second time they used it, once before in Obama. The president made the right call, military response. Let's target them. However, these policymakers steered that decision to be a weak military response as opposed to a strong one, given it was the second attack. And what happened? We didn't deter them. They actually conducted another sarin gas attack because that response is so weak. That is what I'm concerned about. I don't want to see that happen again to this president where policymakers fear, exaggerate the risk disproportionately, and we don't come up with a satisfactory response that deters the Iranians from this kind of behavior. But, but you also have said in the past that the, the pressure campaign is working. I mean, the, the, the administration deepened the sanctions. Are you comfortable with the response so far in terms of more sanctions? Yes, absolutely. The escalation of sanctions has been a hallmark of the administration and one of the significant successes that we've had in ever dealing with the Iranians in 39 years. But here's the problem. They are escalating kinetically and our sanctions 
in of themselves while they're hurting the economy will not stop their kinetic escalation. I see. And it, and it hasn't stopped them yet. And they're going to keep coming to see if they can hurt the global economy. That's what this is about. If they hurt the global economy, they believe the pressure will be put on President Bye. Trump then to back off the sanctions. All right. So there you have it. Pretty, pretty astute, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that we have to be extremely concerned that Iran keeps testing the waters. And if we don't hold the line, they will continue to push the limit. Mm. Yeah. And why not? Right. That's right. Why not? That's how international actors behave, right? It's all about what's called in economics rational behavior. That doesn't mean smart behavior. It means what can you get away with? Because, see, what the president is doing right now to Iran is hurting Iran. Mm-hmm. It's hurting them badly. It's mm-hmm. hurting the people of Iran as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what would the Iranian uh, leadership like to do? Well, if you're going to do that to us, let us disrupt oil and throw the whole world into a recession, and then we'll all feel the pain. Exactly. Well, you've got to either dissuade them from that or flat out stop them from doing that. Exactly. And I know, you know, I'm I'm probably one of the the most anti-war people around. I've been places where people are shooting at Mm -hmm, you. mm -hmm. It is not fun and it's not pretty. Mm -hmm. However, I also know this as we do during the Cold War. When we didn't have to shoot, it was just a matter of, okay, you go and you get this gun and we'll go over here and we got even a bigger gun. Right. That there are some people that they don't understand uh, diplomacy. They don't understand being a legitimate member of uh, the world community. They want to be the world community and they will do everything within their power to get more power. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and there comes a time, sometimes push comes to shove at that point. That's right. That's how the That's why we spend so much money on our military. Huge amount. That That's how the international sphere operates. It's all about rational behavior, and I don't mean that as in smart behavior. What can you get away with? That's it. It's, it's the law of the jungle. And so if you don't hold them back, guess what? They're going to keep coming. Yeah, Plain and I just thought that Keen did such a nice job. Very nice. Of, of explaining the situation. And he tried to show you that there's people within the Pentagon that they're far from being hawks. I mean, they're soft. And uh, they, they give information to the president that may not be to the benefit of the president. I mean, uh, Assad used sarin gas. And then, uh, you know, uh, Obama said, uh, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. And he did. And Assad used sarin gas. And, uh, you know, we we wagged our finger at him. And then he did it under under, uh, Trump's watch. And Trump sent over some cruise missiles and knocked out some some, uh, airfields and things of that nature. Evidently, he 
and his uh, generals wanted to do something even more, but some people that were higher up in the Pentagon uh, talked him into making it a softer response, and that's what Keene's saying. Now, when it comes to they do it again, what kind of response are you going to have then? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're going to have to respond. So what do you want to do with this thing with Saudi Arabia? Uh, I hope that the president, I think what would be wonderful is if he would stand in front of the U.N. and give them all of the uh, information we have that is not top secret and say, here it is, folks, Iran is guilty mm-hmm. and there is guilty as sin right. of right. doing this. Right. What are we going to do? Right. Now, there's a lot of countries that have poo-poo that uh, because they're friends of Iran. Uh, China will poo-poo it, as will the Soviets, because they're playing a long game of their own. Of course they are. But it's more for people like England, the French, the Germans. It's for Europe is what Mm -hmm. it's for. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. even some of the countries over in Asia, South Korea, Japan, all those countries as well. It's just, you know, we'll have to see what comes out of it, out of this, but sooner or later, you're going to have to call the Ayatollah's bluff. That's right. That's right. Look, they've been in power now for 40 years. The, the revolutionary. Thank you, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, exactly. So how long are you going to let them get away with it? That's a good question. A long time. You know, it's just like telling your kid, I'm going to spank you. I'm going to spank you and never do it. Yeah, Don't don't do do it again again, or I'm going to warn you again. Exactly. Sooner or later, you're going to have to spank them. I'm just telling you. Hey, if you've got type 2 diabetes, I know that what that feeling is like. I've got type 2 diabetes. I'll eat clean. I, you know, I'll eat very little carbs and I'll eat a lot of, uh, you know, complex carbs, uh, you know, vegetables and, and protein and things and trying to get my, my numbers down and, and, uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And it can be just infuriating at times. I, I've been there. I know that. So if you got type two diabetes, uh, I got some good news for you. There's a new study that's uh, going on that might be able to help you. Now you have to meet some qualifications. First of all, you got to have an A1C of eight or above, you have to be 18 years of age or above, and you got to be only on metformin. If you're, if you meet those three qualifications, then give a call over to Applied Research Center of Arkansas. Their number is 501-954-7822. 501-954-7822. Uh, their website is arcarkansas.com. Uh, if you become a participant in the study, you'll receive all study-related care at no cost, and you get compensation for time and travel. And then while you're talking to them, tell them to put uh, you on their list for the other studies they're doing. There might be another study uh, that you might want to be in about GERD or uh, endometriosis or something like that. Again, the phone number is 501-954-7822 or arcarkansas.com. That's for Applied Research Center of Arkansas. All right, so I come across pieces at times of audio that I watch it and I go, I've got to play this, 
for my listeners. You've got to hear this. So this comes down to the Second Amendment. And we all know how absolutely, incredibly over-the-top and ignorant the left is about guns. Ignorant, baby. Yeah, I mean, big, ignorant. big time. All right. And what better ignorance than Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee? One of, Probably not by a long shot, not the brightest bulb in, in the case or the, the sharpest knife in the drawer. All right. Well, I'm amongst congressmen, I'm not sure you can say that, Dave, because that's. <laughs> That's a low bar. I You're know. scraping the bottom of that barrel. That's a, that's a low bar. I understand that. But I want you to listen to the three, three, at least three of the people. First three you're going to hear is Sheila Jackson Lee, Beto, next. And then, and, and you've heard a little bit of the Beto stuff before on my show. And then Bloomberg. And you got to listen to this stuff. It is just so over the top, dumb. They're just dumb, and Sheila Jackson Lee leaves the uh, the parade here. She's going to start off talking about AR-15s. For you who know about AR-15s and you who know a little bit about guns, hang on. You're going to freak. Here we go. Uh, my bill that I've introduced dealing with, with the caliber weapon, I've held an AR-15 in my hand. I wish I had it. It is as heavy as 10 boxes that you might be moving. Uh, and the bullet that is utilized, a 50 caliber, these kinds of bullets uh, need to be licensed and do not need to be on the street. Are you, in fact, in favor of gun confiscation? Yes. When it comes to AR-15s and AK-47s, weapons designed for use on a military battlefield, the high-impact, high-velocity round that is fired from those weapons, when it hits your body, expends all of its kinetic energy, destroying everything that's inside. Well, let's just look at the assault weapons ban. Yep. We had one in this country for 10 years. Every single weapon used by the shooter in Connecticut would have been okay under the old assault weapons law. They were all exceptions. Okay, so the law was flawed. Fix it. Isn't it pretty hard to define what is an assault weapon? Because it's so easy to write around for manufacturers to create weapons that... Well, if it can fire a lot of bullets very quickly... That's a good definite, good place to start, okay? And, and then you can say, argue what a lot is. Okay, let's pick it. Let's say three. If you haven't hit the deer with three shots, you're a pretty lousy shot. That deer deserves to get away. Let's get serious here. But that would ban most pistols. That would ban most... No, but pistols are different. You have to pull the trigger each time. An assault weapon, you basically hold it, it goes... Blah, blah, blah. No, those are fully automatic weapons. Okay. But just to be clear on the law, and I'll get with you on the politics, but on the law... He said, yes, you can have regulations, but remember what they struck down. You couldn't even tell people how to store their weapons disassembled. And he says weapons in common usage get the protection of an individual right. The AR-15, for good, bad, or indifferent, is the most commonly owned in the country. Yeah. Chris, I'm, I'm willing to fight that one all the way to the end because it is not common. It is unusual. And, and no one in this country, including Owners of AR-15s and AK-47s think that what is happening right now is okay. The time has come, America, to step up and ban these weapons. The other very important part of this bill is to ban large-capacity ammunition feeding devices, those that hold over 10 rounds. We have federal regulations and state laws 
that prohibit hunting ducks with more than three rounds, and yet it's legal to hunt humans with 15-round, 30-round, even 150-round magazines. This is a ghost gun. This right here has ability with a 30-caliber clip to disperse with 30 bullets within half a second. 30 magazine clip in half a second. There you go. It's, Dave, it's exhausting. They, 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 they just know so much about guns. Well, let's, let's go through some of them, Dave, because first of all, I'm going to surprise your audience. I'm going to surprise you. Well, I'm I, going to have you hold your thought. Okay. Because we got news. Let's do it. I, ha- I wanted to get that in before the news. Understood. And I knew you'd have a lot to say about oh, it. Oh, I got too much. We got a lot coming your way. Stick with us after the news. We're going to talk Second Amendment. All right. So we left off listening to Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, Beto, Bloomberg, uh, Feinstein. Feinstein, and the last person, I'm not exactly sure who mm-hmm. it was. But the bottom line is we listened to really five people from the left tell us a whole lot of erroneous stuff. Mm-hmm. The least erroneous, somewhat ironically, was Feinstein. I can tell you a funny story about her in a moment regarding guns. <laughs> so, of course, you heard Sheila Jackson Lee say that an AR-15 is a fifty caliber heavy gun. <laughs> Just about everything in that statement is wrong. is wrong. But I'll make you a deal, Dave. I'm going to surprise you. Okay. I'm going to agree with Sheila Jackson Lee. We should ban all the ARs that are 50 caliber. <laughs> Get rid of them now. Get rid of them now. Can you believe that? They the got truth. these 50 caliber ARs floating around. Yeah. Get rid of them. Wait, Who's, what? They don't exist? Who ever heard of them? I've you want to ban something that doesn't exist? Okay, I'll get on top of that. I'll get I'll get on on board with that. That's what it's all about. I'm just telling you, they just do not. How is it that Reagan put it? It's not that they the, the Democrats know so much. It's that they know they think they know so much when they know so little or something. something I, like how he, I don't know. Yeah. He had a great twist of yeah, words yeah. to that. Well, I wish I, I wish I knew half as much as the Democrats think they know. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Because man, that's why they—that's why the left thinks they can solve the world's problems because they think they have a mastery on reality. Oh no, just just let us take care of it. Mm. We'll fix health care. We'll fix retirement, social security. How'd that work out? Right? Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll fix the economy. What was it under Obama? One uh, to two percent gro- growth, and we should expect that to be the new normal. And then Trump gets elected, and it shoots up. Yep. Right. Right. No, no, they, they, they're on top of things, all right? They're on top of redistri- redistributing money, and by the way, not from the rich to the poor, from everyone to the government. Yeah, that's exactly. To bureaucrats. To them. Right, to themselves. How do you think bureaucrats get paid? Through taxes. Yep. That's why they like taxes, not because they are charitable, not because they want the money to go to somebody else. They're not concerned with that at all. They are concerned with ensuring that their trough remains filled at all times. And how do you do that? You make sure that taxes are high enough that their bills get paid. You don't think the president of any party lives like a king? He gets chauffeured around. Yep. The salary doesn't matter. He doesn't spend any of it. That's not the issue. Of course, President Trump donates the salary because he doesn't need to get it. But don't kid yourself. These leftists believe in redistribution from everyone to government bureaucrats. Then you you heard on the audio 
Beto say, high velocity. It's as if the guy's getting punched in the gut every other word, by the way. It's it's painful to listen to that guy. It's like he's getting kicked or something. In any event, high velocity, high impact. I just love – he goes on. Well, you, see, you see, it transfers the kinetic energy. Yeah, thanks for the sixth-grade physics lesson. Since every gun made does that. That's what it does. F- force equals mass times acceleration. And what's the what is the killing power of a bullet? The mass and the speed, baby. Two things. The bullet and how fast it's going. And the thing about the AR, interestingly. it's going really fast. Yeah. Well, and the interesting <laughs> thing, though, about the AR is it's a small bullet. It is going really, really fast. It's a little bigger than a twenty-two. Right. That's all. Right. But it's got a lot of oomph behind it, so it's going really fast. But you know what's much more deadly than that, of course, as you know, Dave, is any thirty caliber rifle, a three oh eight, a thirty thirty, a thirty oh six. And the military adopted this weapon in direct contravention to what your buddy Sheila Jackson Lee has to say. You know, I'm joking, yeah. right? Meaning, because it's lighter, and the bullet's lighter, and the bullet is actually less powerful. Right, Rob, you're, you're saying that the military would accept a bullet that's less powerful? Yeah, because you know what? It doesn't take much to kill a human. No, it does not. Right? So that's why when you're hunting deer, you don't use a two twenty three. You don't use a five five six because you want a shell that's going to take down the deer, but the two twenty three, the five five six, the thirty odd six, the thirty thirty, the three oh eight, those will all take down a human being. So the, the at a long distance, no as less. Well. Right. So the AR fifteen is not more powerful; it's actually less powerful. With that said, it kills just fine. Mm-hmm. So I'm not suggesting it's not a deadly weapon. But the difference is, on the AR, it's a little hole coming in and a slightly bigger hole if it makes its way out, coming out. And on a thirty caliber rifle, it's a little hole, but bigger, going in, and a huge gaping hole coming out. It is by far, and in no doubt, a more deadly caliber. Yes, So that's what just drives me crazy about these lefties. And then, of course, you heard Blumberg... (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm not a Blumberg supporter, but I, I am originally a New Yorker, and I'd like to think that New Yorkers are not stupid. But when you listen to him talk well, yeah, about if you guns, look at the last two mayors they've elected, that I, oh, that makes me wonder. That's rough. That is rough. This The blah, blah, blahzio. He is. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is some rough hoeing, baby. Oh, by the way, he's out now. Oh, I heard he's out. Uh, who? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah. Uh, so, he... You heard um, Blumberg. What did Blumberg say? That a so-called assault weapon, which is, as the interlocutor aptly said, you can't define it. Uh, Blumberg, oh, wait. Blumberg said, well, let's start here. Yeah, it's a machine gun. Wait, yeah, what? it shoots a bunch of bullets. Yeah, all bullets. at once. <laughs> wait, what? What? Oh, my I mean, gosh. I, I got to laugh. It's you so ridiculous. Laugh. Exactly. And, you know, listen. I have no problem if someone doesn't know, oh, this big shell is called the 30 odd six, and this one, the smaller one, is called the 223. But then you simply have to say the big bullet or the small bullet. Like, I don't need you to be an expert on all the terminology. I don't like sort of the lingo and all, everybody, oh, well, he doesn't understand it because he doesn't know that this weapon is it. No, but you gotta, if you wanna make policy, you can't be stupid on the facts that relate to the issue. And here's where Bloomberg. Went stupid, all right? Yeah. Because the interviewer, which was from one of the major three right. networks, I right. forget her name, and she said- She's uh, handing it to him. Yeah, you're, you're talking about 
weapons that are fully automatic. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, you know, semi-automatic. And, and, and he says, shoots a bunch of bullets. And once he says, well, what about a pistol does that? And he goes, oh, right. no, 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 no. A pistol, every time you shoot a bullet, you got to pull the trigger. An AR-15, you just hold the trigger down. It's uh, uh, no. Wrong. Uh, no. You, uh, no. You, you, if, you, if you pull the trigger and hold it, guess what? It stops shooting. Yeah, you pull the trigger and hold it, you shot one bullet. That's exactly That's what right. Happened. I pulled the trigger, only one bullet came out. That's right. That's right. Got to pull it up real. Now, you can pull it real fast and and send a lot of bullets downfield, but I can do that with my thirty eight or my three eighty or, you, with or a, a, you know forty five. Right, I can like do what's that. The claim? Nine millimeter. You could uh, every semi automatic shoots at the same rate, as fast as you can pull the trigger. That's exactly right. That's it. That's it. Oh well that one shoots faster. No, it don't. First of all, it don't shoot. You shoot it. But yeah, let's put that's that exactly aside. Right. Put that aside. I'm not even trying to be clever here. You sure here. it doesn't have a brain of its own? Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to be clever here. The point is the the AR-15 shoots just as quickly or not quickly as a 308. Where the camera? No, it does. The only thing that you can adjust is the length of the pull on the trigger, meaning different guns have different trigger pulls as well as the weight on the trigger pull. But you can vary those in any gun, and, and it's, it's, it's a question of – how you like the trigger That's to feel. That's exactly right. What's your personal preference? Yeah, it's a preference. It doesn't speed it up. So it's just such complete and utter nonsense. Here's the story I wanted to tell you. I think I may have told you on the air already once. But was oh, this the, about Feinstein? Yeah, about okay. Feinstein. Right, so Feinstein, when I was working in the Senate, comes up to the senator uh, on the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, that, I, that I was attached to. I don't mean that literally, obviously. That's sort of a term of art. And... Uh, he um, was involved in the assault weapon ban. He's a Republican. In any event, uh, he said a few things about it, and she comes up and says, well, that's, that's wrong, and then walks away essentially. So he turns to me because uh, I was a researcher on, on <laughs> gun issues, right? I was the gun expert yeah. uh, on, the, uh, on the staff. And I said, no, you didn't say anything wrong. I'm not talking policy preference. I'm talking about factual. She right. said, you are factually wrong on this. I said, no, no, she's wrong. And so he goes, well, what is she talking about? And my first answer is, I can't get inside of Diane Feinstein's head, okay? Because I read Alice in Wonderland once, and I was not on LSD, yeah. and it felt like I was. So I'm not going to try to get inside uh, the, the head of uh, Feinstein. But in fact, I did figure it out, and she was confusing one bill entirely with another bill and the underlying facts as well. So she had no idea what she was talking about and on that issue. Now, that doesn't overall necessarily make her a dummy. She may be one. She may not be. I'm not saying one way or the other. But it's just a demonstration that when these lefties get involved in gun issues, more often than not, they simply don't understand the basic facts. One thing that she said, I will give her credit for. I don't agree with it, uh, but I will give her credit for. She said it wrong, but I'm not trying to be picky. But she ultimately came out and essentially said, I want small capacity magazines. I don't want a magazine that can hold more than uh, 10 bullets. Now, by the way, you heard Blumberg say, well, if you can't shoot a deer with three shots, you shouldn't be able to shoot the deer. Yeah, I'm not so worried about the deer. I'm worried about the guy breaking into my house. And I didn't realize it was a test. And I've got to get him in in three shots or I lose and my family dies. Is that how that works? But her point is, I want a more limited magazine so that a bad guy can't shoot up a mall or something like that. And 
I once had some sympathy for that argument, to be uh, frank with you, but I don't any longer, not because there's no logic to it, but I believe the countervailing argument is more persuasive. That may be true, that you could stop a bad guy when he's changing magazines. It's not a lot of time, so I, I, I don't want, you know, the left kind of jumps all over that, but the flip side is I want to be able to defend myself, and I also will be put at a disadvantage when it comes to changing magazines if I have a, a, a limited capacity magazine. And I know the bad guy is going to get a hold of the illegal magazines, and I won't keep an illegal magazine. And so that's, that's why I think the magazine restriction should not go into place. But at least she's trying to articulate a position that, that while I disagree with it, is not built on simple nonsense. Everything else you heard in that audio was nonsense. was just was just utter nonsense. So I will end my little rant on this point as I started. I agree with Sheila Jackson Lee. All 50 caliber <laughs> AR-15s should be banned. Every zero one of them. Wait, what? Can you imagine a 50 caliber AR-15? You know, you can buy... A, she's right. It would weigh a ton. It would weigh a ton. You can buy a three hundred eight uh, AR right now, and they, they're often shoot well but the interesting thing about it is that the AR wasn't designed around a 308 shell and the 308 rifles that are made the the 308 ARs generally have problems because they can't tolerate yes the bigger bullet the impact from the bigger bullet so over time the 308 ARs often show wear and strain and fracture in ways that you would not not only not expect you would it's dangerous so you're going to be very cautious in getting a, a larger caliber ar because just not designed for no, it. i'll tell you my my uh, savage 308 that i have that is my hunting rifle right i can tell you that thing is heavy exactly because you have to have a much heavier gun that's why the military gotta have a heavier barrel of course the military moved from the m14 to the M16, which is what the left claims is comparable to the AR. It looks similar. I'll grant you that. Uh, and the, and when they moved, they moved to a lighter gun because it's easier to carry and a lighter bullet because you don't need so much stopping power when you're shooting people. And gives you a whole lot less weight to carry. That's right. Yeah, that was the first point. I mean, you, it's a lighter you, gun. You got to carry, right. you know, eight or, or ten clips on you. It weighs you down. Oh yeah. Oh, the, you're right. The bullets weigh more. The gun weighs more because it has to be able uh, on on the M14 on any 308 or any 30 caliber gun. And so, of course, the gun weighs more because it has to, and the bullets weigh more because they're bigger. Yeah. Notwithstanding Beto's complete inversion <laughs> of reality. Yeah. You know, and it's like, nobody questions yeah. him. L- listening to him is is like watching those old dubbed uh, karate movies. Yeah. You know, where his mouth moves and then the sound catches up. Yeah, but also that it has that sort of staccato, jerky sound to it. Yeah, I got you. All right, Robert and I will be back and we'll continue on here on the Monday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. We got more to talk about. There's still more stuff happening. The president is at the UN today. Uh, He is uh, now meeting with the president of Egypt. He met with the president of Singapore earlier. Tomorrow, he's going to address the U.N., and if uh, he addresses it during the time that I'm on the air, we'll carry it live. If not, uh, we'll uh, record it and play it back for you. That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Robert. Mm -hmm. 
We've heard Yang do this. Of course, Yang wants to be president. Of course. And, and he said that we've got to wean people off of meat. Mm-hmm. You've heard him talk about this, right? Yeah, when he was flipping the burgers in Iowa, right? And everybody thinks that, you know, that ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Let me just take you over to Britain for a second. Because a lot of things that happen in Britain, for whatever reason, there are people in this country look at Britain, France, and Germany as, well, if they're doing it, damn, why aren't we doing it? Uh, eating meat is going to be banned like smoking. That's what one of Britain's foremost barristers has predicted as he called for the offense of ecocide. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm hearing people thinking, they're hearing me say this, oh, David, it never happened. Yeah, and you thought that I was BSing when I said the food police were coming, and they came. All right, ecocide, to be introduced to prosecute those who damage nat- nature on a, quote, massive scale. Michael Mansfield warned that the farming of livestock for meat was destroying the planet and called for legislation to criminalize those who cause global warming and the willful destruction of wildlife. In a message delivered at the launch of the uh, Vegan Now campaign, which encourages people to stop eating meat and dairy, Mansfield said he had a single message to make ecocide a crime. Quote, I think when we look at the damage eating meat is doing to the planet, it is not preposterous. Look, Dave, this is the whole point uh, that I was making when we were talking about global warming. Is that, oh, no, now it's climate change, then climate crisis, then it's military style. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm blending the two. I apologize. Yeah, well, but in any event, the point is that if the claim is eating meat has an impact on the planet, well, that doesn't surprise me. If the point is we can't have any impact on the planet, we should live unshaven, unclean uh, lives in an in a underground cavern so as not to disturb the natural development of growth absent human beings. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I eat meat. I eat fish. I eat chicken. I even eat beef. Uh, so I eat bison. Bison is I good. I eat deer. Uh, deer. I eat, uh, what else have I eaten? You know, uh, elk. You eat pork. I don't eat pork, yeah. but you eat pork. Yeah. I eat lamb. You eat all kinds of meat. Exactly. Exactly. My Bible tells me that's why God put it here. You know, there was a very famous rabbi who was the leader of a particular movement known as the Lubavitch movement, who said that God told uh, Noah after the flood uh, that we're to eat meat, and that's why we should actually do so. We should not be vegetarians. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be a vegetarian. You can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But my point simply is there is a, a, a legitimate religious interpretation that says it's actually a good thing to eat meat. Well, that's an interpretation. I'm not saying it's carved in stone, no pun intended, but certainly the opposite is not the case as the lefties claim. You know, it's sort of the, the godless often invoke some sort of divinity when they say, oh, you must do this. Yeah. It's the holy thing to do. 
To them, holy means it's Swiss a cheese. Moral thing, right? To well, do. exactly. The it's moral. a moral. What is thing morality? Do. Seriously, I don't want to go down too uh, deep down a rabbit hole. But what is the what is morality without any notion of a divinity? Please. I guess, John. Ha! <laughs> exactly. I think that's about all it is. Exactly. Right. We got to get a break in. We got news coming your way. Then we'll be back. And there's more yet to talk about. You thought. We'd cover everything? <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. I got other stuff to talk about. How about the feds look, they're looking to go in and uh, conduct a criminal probe of Jewel? The musician? No. Oh, oh, Jewel, the smoker. J-U-U-L. No, a gotcha. different Jewel. Gotcha. Hmm. Alaska, the last frontier. They're not going to take that off. They have to take off TV if they were investigating Jewel. Come on, that's the daughter of the of the patriarch on that show. Okay, oh, is that right? All a right. break. Let's get back here in just a moment. All right. Did you just hear that? Yes, sir. Fox just uh, coming up with a news story. A scientist just came out and said the reason the Arctic ice sheet is melting mm-hmm. a long extinct volcano under the ice sheet is coming back to life that's how i feel when i eat too much lasagna <laughs> i've got this long extinct volcano coming back to life and it's not a good thing isn't that the truth no you don't want to be you don't want to mm. you don't want to be around that antarctica when, yeah. when when that happens i'll tell you that right now <laughs> anyway, zach's giving me the no there you go zach's giving me the thumbs down Zach's my conscience here. By the way, 150 people showed up at Area 51 over the weekend. It would have been better if it was 151. Oh, I think it would have been funny if thousands of them mm. had shown up or whatever. Mm. It was really weird. All right, so I was talking earlier in the show about how here in the United States we look to Britain and France and Germany for uh, you know what we should be doing over here in the United States. Evidently, the Brits have been paying attention to the Dems here in the uh, uh, United States. The Labor Party, which is the more liberal uh, verse, they're the leftists, uh, they have really gone extreme. Now, Mm -hmm. this is a story that comes from The Sun. Uh, Marxist zealots, how apropos. Marxist zealots have seized control at every level and are poisoning the debate with their hard-line views. An exclusive poll of a broad range of grassroots members reveals how far the party has moved to the fringes. See if any of this sounds strangely familiar. Mm-hmm. Hours at, This was hours after a foiled plot to topple Deputy Leader Tom Walt, Watson. Mm-hmm. Labor is now firmly in the grip of revolutionaries, who want to get rid of the royal family, scrap Britain's nuclear deterrent, take control of the media. Uh, Fanatics are so dominant that they want to be free to renationalize public services, wage class war, and drive out dissenters. Last year, labor moderates reacted with dismay, dismay at a Yuga poll of over a thousand uh, of their members that said half would feel bored, embarrassed, or angry about singing their national anthem. 
more blame the British government and army for the troubles in places like Northern Ireland than say it was the fault of the IRA. Six in ten want to abolish the royals for a republic. Nearly seven in ten think it would be legitimate for unions to stage a general strike to bring down a Tory government. Two-thirds believe the party doesn't have a problem with anti-Semitism, and 54% believe the crisis is the fault of the media. Hmm. 56% would be opposed to doing post-Brexit trade deals with Israel. Fewer than Of course thir- they would be, by the way. Yes. Fewer than 30% of labor members blame Islamic terror groups for attacks in the U.K. Hmm. Amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, this uh, Today, Mr. Austin launches cross-party campaign group Mainstream aimed at combating extremism in public life. He said, you know, I grew up listening to my father, a Holocaust refugee, warning of the dangers of prejudice and hatred. I joined labor as a teenager and campaigned for it all my adult life. But the party of today is not the one that I grew up in. Hmm. Sounds like a lot of Democrats. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Well, Just they, saying, I thought you that. might find that well, interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I, I find it absolutely interesting. Dave, here's the thing. The Democrats have become the anti-West, the anti-Israel, and often the anti-Semitic party. Hmm. It's that simple. When you hear Omar, when you hear Talib, tell me their statements are not outrightly anti-West and anti-Semitic. Oh, absolutely. And anti-Israel. And and how can a woman who's serving in Congress and the information that's coming out about her mar- being married to her brother, how is she still in her party? It's unbelievable. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, this is not a new, by the way, this is not some kind of, new birtherism story or something that somebody thought up. No, it's immigration fraud. This is, yeah. It's immigration. This is she a, committed immigration yeah. fraud. And she, what was it? You're not supposed to be able to marry your brother. Incest. Yeah. But I don't think they actually, to be clear, my my sense of the story is they they married to commit fraud. Yeah. They didn't actually marry to, to like consummate a relationship. Like the people who say they got married, but really... Right. They didn't get married, married. Right. When someone comes over and then all of a sudden, hey, I'll give you some amount of money and you marry me and you say you're my wife uh, or husband, whatever it may be, even though we don't know each other. It's yeah. fraud. Yeah. It's against the law. It By the way, both people the go to jail as they should. Yeah. So anyway, bottom line, I just thought it was kind of uh, apropos that the British were following after something that we were doing for a change. Absolutely. That's a, Absolutely. It's a democratic invasion. It, it, it's something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. That's what it is. It's a, hey, what is Biden? Biden's on the attack now. You say because he fell behind Warren now oh, in this, Iowa. This is what my friend just sent me. I'm, I'll tell your audience. It's a tweet. It says every left wing cause is a cause plus anti Zionism. Hating Israel is the price of entry, essentially, to be a leftist. Save our planet and free Palestine. Some little girl is holding up a. A placard, and Talib is taking a picture with a big smile. Look yeah, at the big smile. A free Palestine. And so the po- the point of the of the tweet is every le- left wing cause. I'll repeat it because I don't think I emphasize it right. Is whatever the cause is, plus Israel's bad. Wait, what? 
Yeah. Wait, what? I had that once. I was talking with someone. I won't. I won't. I, I won't. The, a friend of mine. I, I'm. Cautious. You don't have to say who. It is. Right. Exactly. Talking with a friend of mine, and a friend or or relative of hers starts going off on Israel. So you might think, oh, well, I brought up Israel. No. You know what I brought up? Medical care. I brought up medical care, and the friend's friend said to me that Israel is the big or little Satan, whatever the case may be, essentially. Because <laughs> that's how crazy the and lefties they, have and, gotten. And they, and they, it was because of uh, the Jews that are our, our, our healthcare I don't know, screwed up. exactly. I mean, this is the thing. Like, you can't even decipher the idiocracy of it all. It's, yeah. it's impenetrable. Oh, but they can get through it. They can get through it. That sounds fine. like American X. Do you ever watch Do you ever see that movie? American what? American X. No. You ever get a chance to yeah. watch that movie? It's okay. about a white supremacist. A real oh, okay. white a real supremacist. One? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, I, that's right. That, he talked to these crazy white supremacists, right? And and you start talking about, well, you know, I went to the supermarket and the, and the peaches weren't ripe. Oh, I can tell you the cause of that. It's Israel. Wait, what? Wait, what? So no. yes, they're they're, but that's the irony is that the left has has, the far left has gone so crazy it's come back around on the extreme right. They're the same thing. Well, I've always said that. Of course, the extreme left and the extreme right will reach up and it becomes totalitarian. That's right. No exactly. matter which side. It exactly. Is. It doesn't matter which side. It just it it does. It's a different label. All right. So uh, Joe Biden, come sl- on, man, slammed Elizabeth Warren today. Because he because he feels the the grasp or the grip of the uh, Ukraine nomination going away, yeah, yeah. The Ukraine for jo- dodging the middle class tax question, and and Warren has dodged this question. There's no right. doubt about it. You can you can see interview after interview after interview when people say, "How are you going to pay for this Medicare for all?" And she don't have an answer. Uh, she said, as he said that about her Medicare for all plan is going to have to raise taxes. Mm-hmm. Quote, it's going to cost a lot of money, and she's going to raise people's taxes doing it, Biden said. Responding to Biden, Warren dodged the question again and told a CNN reporter that, quote, giant corporations are going to see their costs go up. Okay, I'm going to just stop. Let's just stop right there. Zach, pull the microphone over. Just gonna, I'm just going to ask you logic 101, okay? Let's say... This huge corporation, they make a they make a widget that you and I buy. Suddenly, the government says you got to pay this amount of money, so their costs go sky high. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen if their costs go up? What are they going to do? Charge you more. Ah! That's it. That's it. That's some crazy. I can't believe that you, you would there, think Zach. that that would happen. What kind of corporations would, of course, just absorb that. Are you going to tell me next that two plus two is four, Zach? <laughs> That's that kind of new math that you kids be learning over here in the high schools. See, Zach is my Mister Snurdly. Yeah. All right. I'm just telling you, he's my Mister Snurdly. He cuts through the crap and gets right to. The uh, commonsensical answers. The cost for middle-class families, for working-class families, for the people that have squeezed so badly, are going to go down. And that's what Warren said. I got it. I, 
Zach, I'm going to put you. I'm going to give you a job. All right. I need a BS meter. Mm-hmm. Okay. I need. I need you to find us some kind of a horn that is just really obnoxious, so that whenever we hear just pure bovine BS like this, we can play it. Get Beto's voice. Get a recording <laughs> of Beto's voice, and that that uh, sort of. In between the vomit gag uh, that he speaks a word. That's what I want to hear. All right. Warren Maybe Re- that's it. Maybe he's just about to vomit in his mouth every know. time he's speaking. He just needs to go away. Yeah. Warren repeatedly dodged that question last week when she was being interviewed by Stephen Colbert. An exasperated Colbert tried to offer advice about the taxes that perhaps you're not mentioning. Uh, in July, Warren got into a heated exchange with MSNBC's Chris Matthews while refusing to answer Matthews' question on middle-class tax hikes. She also dodged a question on CNN and, and on ABC's debates. In political, Jeff Greenfield noted that Warren could be holding back an admission that Medicare for All will lead to higher taxes for the middle class because she's worried about losing voters. Oddly now, enough... Is that is the biggest piece of political insight I have ever heard. They're genius. And They're Greenfield makes hundreds of thousands of dollars to come up with that type of great insight. Mm-hmm. You're scratching your head Yeah, there. I'm scratching my head because I think I got some Shinola that was splattered on me. Yeah, she's a, he, Greenfield wrote, this leaves an obvious question that will follow her through the campaign. Bernie Sanders is frank enough to acknowledge the obvious. And then explain it. Why won't you? And the answer is as simple as, quote, if you say you will raise middle class taxes, an unmeasurable but likely significant number of voters simply will not bother to wait for the rest of your explanation. Thank you very much. Of course not. Look, yeah. she, the only way to make it happen is to raise middle class taxes. And instead of coming out and saying, I'm raising your taxes and I'm giving you something for it. She doesn't want to, here's why she doesn't want to say it, I should say, because people have learned, we're, we're old enough, we're wise enough to know when the government says, oh, we're going to provide you the service you were otherwise getting privately. And by the way, our health insurance system stinks. Uh, the, it has problems, it's, it's, but it could be fixed if the government would get out of that's it. That's it. It's, it, the answer is not more government intervention, it's less government intervention as a general matter. But also I will say this. Too often these health insurance companies are essentially committing fraud because they tell you they're giving you a product in terms of your coverage. And then when you get sick and you least are able to fight with them, they tell you, oh, this is not covered and that's not covered. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, as a lawyer, having seen some of these agreements, these things are not the way that insurance companies often claim. Oh, well, that's not covered. I knew people who were ombudsmen in insurance or an ombudsperson in an insurance company. And her job was if someone had a dispute, they would come to her and she finally quit. She said, because they came with real disputes. They weren't getting paid. And I said, well, they're supposed to get paid and the insurance company didn't like that. And she told me that the effort of the insurance company was drag your feet enough and enough people will drop out of the system in terms of asking for the money. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of unfairness with the insurance system. I, I don't think it'll be better. In fact, I'm confident it'll be worse if the government takes over. And that's what she won't say. Warren won't say. If Warren would say, oh, well, we're going to take it over. We're going to charge you for it. And that's why you pay more in taxes. Uh, people say, but I'm not comfortable with the government doing 
that service because I think it will be worse, not better. Or they say, tell us how much more. And then That's they, another thing. And then right. they how can't much? say it. Uh, Americans uh, uh, on uh, taxation reform, that would be uh, Grover Norquist Group. Medicare for all would require anywhere from 32 to $36 trillion in higher taxes over the next 10 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Over 10 years. Okay. Do a quick math. 10 and the 36. 3.6. 3.6. Okay. $3.6 trillion. Last year, last year, the United States took in, mm-hmm. in taxes, $2 trillion. There you go. There That's you go. for everything that was already running. Now yeah. they want to add $3.6 trillion more every year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try to do the math on that one, folks. Exactly. Just telling you. Let's exactly. take a break. Robert and I will be back. Got more coming your way at 423 on a Monday. We got more. Yes, we do. We have more for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. A a short story today uh, from the Beaumont Enterprise in Des Moines, Iowa. Jody Stanfield enthusiastically supported Bernie Sanders in 2016. Now she's found a new candidate who excites her. Senator Elizabeth Warren, I trust her when she says that she can fight and also win, Stanford said Saturday at a Democratic steak fry. We're supposed to be stop eating meat unless you're a Democrat and a steak fry in Iowa. Exactly. Uh, where many of the candidates spoke, while Sanders and Warren have similar platforms, the Massachusetts Democrat would be more effective in accomplishing her goals, said the 51-year-old who works at the YMCA. Stanford represents a uh, growing problem for the independent senator from Vermont. In his second run for president, Warren has begun to eclipse Sanders' once dominant standing among the Democrat Party's most liberal voters and surpass him in some polls in the first two states in the nominating process. That would be Iowa and New Hampshire. Now, here's where this story goes off the tracks and just goes off into... Uh, the the Cheshire cat kind of place and disappearing and reappearing and one pill make you big and one pill make you small kind of stuff from, you know, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Right. They both support what would be a massive economic restructuring with ideas such as Medicare for all. But Sanders, 78, has carved out his brand as a democratic socialism while Warren, 70, has... Described herself as a what? Capitalist. Yes. Right. Now, you can't be a capitalist and say you want Medicare for all for everybody. That's not a capitalist way of doing things. Dave, 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 Dave. It doesn't matter. They can say whatever they want. It's so exhausting when you try to bring logic (laughs) and reason into this discussion. You seem not to understand the basic premise of the Democratic Party. Say nonsense. Say gobbledygook. Then pull your hair out and have your face melt regarding Trump. Mm -hmm. Tweet everything with a period between each word because that apparently makes you look more impactful, (laughs) not dramatically crazy. Yeah, 30 seconds. Uh, Right. And um, then go on television like Schiff does and say that... Pencil neck. Say that, well, you see, it's staring us in plain sight. 
let's just listen to Mueller when he comes testify and have all that come crashing down. That's just an example, meaning they keep trying to grasp onto things that aren't real and they fail. All right. News. And then we're back here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right. Back with you. Dave Ellswick show. You're going to D.C. again? Yeah, I'm a reviewer for the Fulbright program because, as you know, I did a Fulbright scholarship. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I was on the air with you. Yeah, when you, you were over in Poland. That's right, and we did. That was Dave Ellswick Worldwide that's Show. That's right. And Good stuff. It was really a lot of fun, actually. It, it, it was fun to, to stay connected to Arkansas, and it was fun to share with you my experiences as they were happening in Poland. What I liked is that you were very upfront about how you fell in love with Piogis. Loved them. Oh well, actually, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, folks. I'll tell you, our audience, Dave. It's like raviolis over in Europe. Yeah, basically. But here's the interesting thing about: I, I spent most of my time in Warsaw, Poland, and my father mm. lived in Warsaw, Poland. A lot of history there. Yeah, but what's really interesting is I thought it would be a little bit kind of less than fully developed. It is absolutely fully developed first world everybody under 30 i'm just around guests you know speaks english so you can get around not knowing a word of polish they're very pleasant very kind it's a beautiful city great restaurants i think it's the hidden city in terms of traveling in europe really i absolutely believe it i would go back over and check it out to warsaw before i would go back at the moment, to Paris. Paris is a beautiful city. Don't get me wrong. They don't like Americans. Well, some do, some don't. But there's more. T- there's definitely more of that issue there. There's none of that issue in Poland. Really. It's really just, just a wonderful place. I had such a terrific time there. So I am now part of the reviewer system for people who want to do a Fulbright scholarship. And I'm going to a meeting in D.C. for that. So what do you do? Sit down and read applications? Yeah, basically. We we read them in advance and then we go in more, in more detail them. and discuss them. Right, that's the point because we we try to we don't necessarily have to reach agreement, but we want to share our views before we put in our final votes. So let me let me uh, think here that probably something that you would say to somebody who is trying to get one of these Fulbright right. scholarships is right. that you're not a mega supporter. That that. <laughs> That I'm not, that, that they should that, say. That they probably don't want to mention that. Well, they, if I'm getting their application, they can mention it. So yeah, I guess it depends who's reading the application. Yeah, but how many are like you? Right, because most of the reviewers are academics, and most review academics are leftists. Oh, so, yeah. Right. I think, I, yeah. Well, try to get a job in in, in academia. academia. Yeah. And in particular, legal academia, and be a conservative. It's virtually impossible. All right. Let me give you the latest numbers. In Iowa, just coming out uh, this weekend, J. Ann Selzer, who's the state's most respected pollster, these are the numbers that came out. Warren is now in the lead for first time, narrowing narrowly getting by Joe Biden. Bless you. Bless you. Dave just sneezed off the air. Excuse me. 22 to 20. Percent. Her rival right. on the left, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, who nearly won in 2016, has slipped to third right. at 11 percent. That's a huge That's a big slip. drop. It's yeah. a big drop. Buttigieg and uh, Harris of <laughs> you, California. You pronounce that name differently every time I, you I do. say it. <laughs> I try. Buttigieg or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Anyway. Uh, the guy yeah. who's not going to be president. <laughs> yeah, that? absolutely. That's a good one. 
of California trailing even further behind at nine and six percent. And then you got Senators uh, Klobuchar of Minnesota, Cory Booker of New Jersey, both at three, and the uh, only others with more than two percent backing. Did you notice I didn't say Beto? Is Beto even in the mix? No, oh, he's wow. he's not one of he's wow. doesn't have, doesn't have even two percent backing. Here's the bottom line in this. Cory Booker over the weekend said he needed a million dollars, I think, by like the middle of this week, or he had to fold his campaign. That's right. If you look down and said he's at 3%, I ain't sending my money to him. No way. No way. We'll see if he makes his million dollars that he needs. You know, I I think I once said on your show that when when you look at him in the camera, his eyes are kind of... uh, like like the the curly cues, you know, like the pinwheels, right? Like they're hi- hypnotic. I don't mean that in a good way, but not a bad. It's just kind of almost eerie looking. And then I saw a tweet that compared him to uh, Uncle Fester from the Adams family for exactly that reason. So I guess I wasn't alone in that. I'm not, and I'm not trying to. Maybe I'll get accused of it. I'm not re- really not trying to make fun of how he looks. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't think he's a bad looking guy. I think, but his eyes kind of have this pier- piercing look to it. Like you almost have to say, "Hey, man, like squint a little, put some glasses on. It's a little too strong." And I saw a tweet that someone else had a similar view of his. Uh, of his gaze over this weekend new movie came out with yeah. sylvester stallone rambo last blood and a lot oh, of last blood instead yeah. of first blood which was the original, yeah, the original rambo movie and so they a lot of reviewers and zach if you want to jump in on this you can attack this movie yeah because let me just give you the brief synopsis please do all right rambo Sylvester Stallone is now working on a ranch. He's trying to put his PTSD and his wartime experiences behind him. And uh, he's doing okay. Until his granddaughter decides that she is going to go to Mexico. And her granddaughter, his granddaughter, by the way, is Hispanic. All right goes to Mexico to, to find her father who yeah. deserted her family. Mm-hmm. And he tries to tell her, you don't want to do this. He was a bad bad deal then. He's a bad deal now. She goes down, goes to Mexico, and gets snarfed up, evidently. And, and her friend goes with her, I think, and she's on, she's a bad girl, and she's already got cartel connections and uh her this uh his granddaughter gets picked up by a cartel and they gonna put her into sex trafficking oh my that's like what like taken remember the movie taken yes that, Similar, it's kind mm-hmm. of a takeoff on the right. taken type storyline so it's you a good got movie taken so you got stallone now mm-hmm. gonna go back and get his granddaughter so it's even more like taken yeah <laughs> And then he comes back to the ranch, and the cartel follows him, uh-huh. and they're going to kill him. Uh-huh. And so uh, he makes mincemeat, literally, out of them. Uh-huh. Okay. And they're talking about how the show was xenophobic. Yeah, jeez. Uh, of course, that they're, they're uh, playing how great Trump is uh-huh. and yada, yada, yada. 
Okay, so because yeah, none of those things happen in reality, right? Well, that, that's what I was going to say. Because let me read you a story today. Mm-hmm. A group of cartel gunmen in Cancun kidnapped, tortured, and beheaded a top state law enforcement commander. The case apparently uncovered a wave of corruption where officials allegedly favor certain criminal organizations over others. Sunday, authorities discovered the decapitated body of Jose Archiyama, the commander of the Quintana Roo State Police. A group of gunmen from cartel Jalisco Nuevo, Jenner, it's G-E-N-E-R, yeah. whatever, whatever, allegedly kidnapped Yama Thursday, setting off a manhunt as authorities first tried to cover up the case but were eventually forced to confirm the kidnapping and murder. In a video disseminated through social media, Yama can be seen in police uniform with a rifle as he is apparently forced to claim he had direct orders to fight the CJNG and allow a smaller organization called Los Rojos to take over the region. He then claimed his orders came from Quintana Roo Governor Carlos Gonzalez, the state's top law enforcement official, Albert Campella, and another man named Commander Achilles. Just hours after authorities recovered the guy's body, the governor took to social media to express outrage and claim he would continue fighting organized crime. Here's the key. Down there in Mexico right now, it's crazy. Cartels reign all over Mexico. I mean, does, has everybody forgot about Zetas and putting tires around people's necks and setting them on fire, putting people in dumpsters and setting them on fire, having big uh, dances, and all of a sudden somebody shows up and they roll 30 heads out on the dance floor and stuff. These people are animals down there. So what's the big deal about Stallone killing a few of them? Play killing them, in fact. The question is, of course, we've got criminals in America, bad criminals, evil criminals, or bad criminals in And we've in had Mexico. our share of movies, but they right. think the Godfather is high art. Well, and, and so the, this is the point. If you point out that there are criminals in any group, are you indicting the group? And the answer is no. They're indicting the cartel. There was a controversial movie when I was in Poland. It won an Oscar as the best foreign film, I believe. I know it was nominated. I believe it won it. And it was about after World War II in Poland. And remember, folks, both the Nazis and the Soviets invaded Poland when when the Nazis and the Soviets were allied. So the Soviets, now the Russians tell you, we saved the world from the Nazis. True, after you helped them start the fight as well. So you kind of, you know, you got to give a little. In any event, after the uh, the Nazis were defeated, the Soviets took over Poland. So Poland was ever, never not invaded after World War II. It's kind of like going from the frying pan into the into fire. Into the fire, right. And so until I think 1991, they were essentially an occupied country. Was that when Lech started doing his thing? Well, he started before, but I think that's when they and the Pope uh, broke free. And right. Reagan? That's right. Broke free of the Russians and actually had a true democracy. And so why do I mention that? Um, because this movie has a character in it that is uh, – um, she was – the character is Jewish and her family was killed by the Nazis – no, by the Poles, I think, by the Poles and the Nazis. And she then joined the communists. 
And so people were complaining both about the portrayal of the Poles in the movie, meaning one guy who was Polish who uh, conspired with the Nazis. We know that 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 didn't happen. Right. Of course it happened. Right. Now, it doesn't mean every poll conspired. Right. That's the point. And so one showed one. It showed one. And then this woman who was Jewish, who joined with the communists and was and the communists were, of course, overseers. And so there was two criticism from different sides. One said, well, you see, you make the polls look like they're uh, conspiring with the Nazis, not the polls, but some. This guy, this character, and then others said, well, you see, it look like the Jews all uh, – the Jews joined the uh, communists. Not all, but some. Yeah. Um, and so that's always the problem is that you, if you portray a movie that has some reflection of reality, be it mobsters, be it a cartel, be it communists, be it uh, Nazi conspirators or sympathizers – then the claim is, well, you're you're defaming the whole group. Well, no, you're not, because unless you say, therefore, that applies to everyone. But well, I, says I think that. it's funny when they say stereotypical cartel members. Right. Well, they're pretty stereotypical. Yeah, what's there's the a reason, stereotype? Right? Yeah, the stereotype was set up because they live that type of a life. Right. If the stereotype is about cartel members and not any broader group, that's fine for me. Yeah. You want to call all cartel members... Scumbags? Right, right. Because you're right. Uh, right. Thugs and murderers? Oh, <laughs> you're is there right. one who's not a thug and murderer? I'm not so worried about him. Yeah. Right. Oh, I got the teardrop tattoo and the 69 or whatever it is on my forehead and the... And the I'm MS-13. MS-13 out in Long Island, where I grew up. In fact, I saw President Raped Trump. Raped a girl and, yeah. and dismembered her. Right, yeah. right, right. And you want to say that they're all like that, and maybe there's one good guy, quote unquote, in the MS-13. I'm not worried about uh, harming his reputation. Yeah, Thank you very you're much. right about that. All right. A break Please. into a final <laughs> final segment. I'm going to go see the movie. I didn't get to go last week because Linda, as you know, had her operation. Kind of hard to take your wife after she's just had an operation to the movies, but that's one of them I'm going to go see. I'm I'm going to go see it. It's the Dave Ellswick Show right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, so the other movie I want to see is Ad Astro. That's the one with Brad Pitt. I know there's a lot of you are now saying, well, what about that British show, uh, Downtown Abbey? I'm not interested. I don't think it's Downtown. I think it's Uptown Abbey. No, Downton or something like that. What is, is it, it called? It's not actually downtown. I call it that too. That's why I'm yeah. uh, I'm, I'm teasing you because I, I have never watched an episode. Uh, I got nothing against it. No. But it's not just not my kind of I thing. Get, uh, I don't like period pieces that much. What yeah, is it's called? Downton. 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 Right. Downton. But I think it's downtown. But you know, Dave gave it the kind of downtown. It's like down- <laughs> I mean, if you were to just look at it, you would think it's downtown. I know. It's like know. Da- downtown Baltimore, right? Right. I mean, it's. Where it takes place at? That's right. right. It's in Baltimore. Yeah. Right, that's right. It's, a, it's in a row house in Baltimore <laughs> uh, with a couple Any. of Chevys out front. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Without their wheels. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I just, no, I, I don't want to see that. I'm not into, I already saw enough of that. What was the one that Anthony Hopkins was in and he was like the head waiter or whatever and he ran the house or whatever. I forget what that was called. I'd had enough of it after that one. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not not going to see it, but I want to see uh, this Ad Astra. I'm a big sci-fi guy. Yeah, and that's the first movie that when I saw the trailer elicited the same kind of excitement I got when I saw the trailer for uh, 
2001. Didn't, didn't Ed Astra play Lou Grant on, on the Maritime Moore? <laughs> Mar- uh, anybody? 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 What's it? You know what, Ed, what was his name? Ed, Ed Astra. Asner, right? Asner, exactly. yeah, Asner. Exactly. But yeah, the, I just... I'm, about three three of your audience members got that joke, yeah. by the way. Do you, do, you, do you remember when... Well, you were too young. You weren't... You weren't even alive by a negative twelve, nineteen seventy-one or whatever. <laughs> no, I was alive. No, yeah, but but two thousand one was such a great motion picture. Yeah, and, I didn't see the, it at the time. And the special later, effects yeah. were so yes. cool and all that. Really incredible. And that's why this one. Oh, is this supposed to be similar? Yeah, yeah. it looks that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, two thousand one really was a wonderful movie. I didn't like the beginning with the monkeys. I didn't particularly understand that. I'm not very bright, mind you. So, but it was a great movie. There's some really fantastic sci-fi movies out there. Um, of course, as we've mentioned before, uh, another excellent sci-fi movie is Alien, uh, mm, and of course, starring aliens. Beto O'Rourke, right? When he's <laughs> flopping on that table, right? And that's how he, he's talking when the thing's coming out of his stuff. Hey, <laughs> right? You know, so uh, Beto, starring an alien. Yeah. Boy, Chapter 12. He was something. He's mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm really... I'm just. I'm going to kill the last couple of minutes here because we're going to come back to Ukraine because there's new story coming out now mm-hmm. on Ukraine that is the Democrats just can't help themselves when they they hear the initial story mm-hmm. they got to get out there and start yelling for Trump's impeachment and everything and mm-hmm. now the rest of the story is starting to come out and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> it's like what 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 what's that dog? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like what's from that the character Jetsons. from from the Jetsons there. Yeah. Or Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo, yeah. oh, I yeah. think that's Scooby, right. Uh, Scooby. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that whole thing. Here, hey, yeah. is that the ghost coming to steal our <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. It's gonna be very just hang in there. I don't want to try to oversell it, but I'm just saying it's mm. really, really gonna be good. So the other the other movie that I'm really up for, and I got to tell you, a lot of my friends in the Geek Squad are not. Tim Lim's not, and Mark Pellegrini's not. But I am fired up about uh, Terminator Dark Fate. I am. I'm fired up about any Terminator movie. I, I didn't love them ready. all, by the way. But but before they came out, I was looking forward to each I'm one. I'm looking forward to seeing this. This is yeah. just looks like it has. It's like Hollow, the last Halloween, right. reinvigorated right. The Halloween right. thing. That's what this movie is they going to do They interviewed, uh, what's her name, Linda? Linda Hamilton. Thank you. Uh, in the New York Times, and it was an interesting interview. Uh, she's kind of gone granola, crunchy type. Oh, has she really? Yeah. Uh, That's but, too bad. She didn't like be like that. No, uh, but she, she said that she, and she steer, uh, uh, steered away from the whole movie industry for a while and they enticed her back i think she's going to be with really a lot good. of money <laughs> well maybe i hope so for her that'd be great my favorite part of the trailer i've seen right now is when she's fighting the new terminator and knocks him off of a bridge drops mm-hmm. a grenade down and looks back at the other two people that are the main characters says i'll be back oh nice <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it was good. It was good. I'm looking forward to the movie. I really, really am. Schwarzenegger looks fantastic. So it'll it'd be uh, and James Cameron is back. And I know that he's just a producer, but I'm telling you something it tells helps. me it he helps. had his fingers deep in the direction of this movie, even right, though right. the guy who directed it is the guy who directed Deadpool and the first John oh, wow. Wick movie. Oh, wow. So as far as action goes, it should be really, really right. good. All right, let's get a break in when we come back. 
the new information about the Ukraine story. Democrats are going to be running mm. and get under the rocks they came out from. That's mm. coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back final hour. As I told you at the end of last hour, we didn't want to get into it. it was about a minute and a half left to go. Uh, new information coming out on this Ukrainian story. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've had your head in the sand somewhere and hadn't heard any news since, like, Saturday, uh, there's been this controversy going on that the president called the president of Ukraine and uh, told him that he would hold up military aid if they didn't give him some dirt on uh, presidential candidate Joe Biden on his son Hunter Biden, and that's what would happen. And uh, everybody went nuts because there's some this whistleblower who said that. And everybody's saying, well, you got to believe the whistleblower. It's kind of a, you know, what was it, uh, uh, thing about with women. What, what What is it, the hashtag? Me too. Me too, right, yeah. Right. It's, if it's a whistle a whistleblower too, all mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whistle, here's the new stuff, all right. Mm-hmm. The whistleblower who sparked the mounting controversy over President Trump's July phone call with Ukraine's president did not have first-hand knowledge of the conversation. That according to a person familiar with the situation and uh, was told to Fox News and CNN, even as the issue fuels impeachment calls from Democrats. The source said that it is made clear in the complaint itself that the whistleblower did not have direct knowledge of the July phone call between Trump and the Ukrainian president. Fox News has learned that typically multiple U.S. officials are on such calls with the president, but this would indicate the whistleblower is not one of those people. It's unclear if the individual read a transcript of the call, heard about it in a conversation, or learned of it another way. Democrats, meanwhile, have seized on allegations that Trump pressured Zelensky, that's the president, of uh, the Ukraine to investigate Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden's family dealing, citing those claims to revive calls for impeachment. Trump has denied wrongdoing. Now, let me ask this question of you first, Mr. Steinbach. Would the president be so astute that he knew the Democrats would go absolutely ape guano over this? And because, remember, they did not release the the whistleblower's complaint. Of course. Okay, they didn't release it. The president could have. He could have. Right. He didn't. Right. Had he read the complaint, knew what it said, and let the Democrats hang themselves? It's always possible. I don't actually think that's what happened, though. I think he was just playing it straight and saying, I didn't do anything wrong. And, in fact... What's of questionable behavior, as we talked about previously, but I know we have essentially a new audience. It's drive time now, so maybe we should repeat. Remember what happened, Dave. You have here Joe Biden's son, who you know he's an expert in Ukrainian gas. Wait, what? He's not? Yeah. He's not? Mm. But the Ukrainian gas company hires the vice president's son. That would be Burisma. Yeah. Hires the vice president president's son after the former uh, prime minister 
prime minister, president, whatever, let's say prime minister of Ukraine gets booted out. He was a Russian stooge. He gets booted out. Then there's a democratic government. There is an investigation of the gas company that is being run by a stooge of the former stooge Ukrainian prime minister, meaning it's being the, the gas company is run by one of these essentially Russian oligarchs. He's a Ukrainian oligarch, but Russian allied Ukrainian oligarch. And now they're in a new democratic government and they're being investigated by a prosecutor. And so the gas company, the oligarch, the Russian friendly oligarch says, we better get us some protection. And how do you get protection? You know, you either pay off the mobsters or you hire the vice president's son. And so they hire the vice president's son who's got no connection. $50,000 a year, Dave. Joe Biden's son is raking in $50,000 a month, a month, a month, a month. This guy is raking in. That's $600,000 a year. Yeah. $600,000 a year. Joe Biden's son is raking in for all of his massive Ukrainian gas experience. There's a lot of gas. But it's a different kind of gas going on there. And so what Biden tried to do is right. protect his son, his son, his son, by telling the prosecutor, lay off this gas company or I'll withhold one. No, no. He says more. He says, I want this prosecutor fired. Yeah, you want him fired. $1.2 billion. Bill, or, or, I'm, or I'm holding up government money. Yeah. And so all the lefty press comes out and they say, there's no evidence well, Joe Biden did it to protect your son. Well, what kind of evidence is that? Is that a scribbling note that Joe wrote before he went to bed and left on the night table? Is it one of Joe's mad ramblings that he makes on stage when he's being entirely incoherent? What evidence are you looking for? It's called connecting the dots. It's following <laughs> the bird seed, right? Well, the crumbs. But you even got more than that. You've got Biden himself on tape. That's right. Saying, oh, says I'm going to. I, uh, he I fired bragged, the guy. He bragged of getting this guy fired because he told him if they didn't, he was going to hold up a There's billion no dollars. There's no dispute that Biden got the guy fired. That's the irony here. As if I may borrow a phrase from Schiff. What's Schiff's first name? I don't. know. Yeah, exactly. Pencil neck. Yeah, uh, from Schiff. He goes. <laughs> it's hiding in plain sight. Joe Biden admitted that he got that prosecutor fired. And as Schiff said, well, it's hiding in plain sight. Why do you do that? To protect your son. So they they come, no, well, you say the prosecutor was corrupt. By the way, he might have been. That's the irony. Protecting Joe Biden's son from a corrupt prosecutor doesn't mean that you're not protecting Joe Biden's son from from a prosecutor. He just happens to be a corrupt prosecutor. So they get rid of that prosecutor, and guess what? Now the mainstream media says, but the new prosecutor came in and found nothing was wrong. Wait, Joe Biden fires one prosecutor so as to pick the next prosecutor, and the next prosecutor does what Joe Biden wants, which is to find no wrongdoing by the guy who hired Joe Biden's son? Seriously? You can't make this stuff up, Dave. I understand that. This stuff is, this stuff, you, if you wrote this in a novel, it would get rejected by the editor as a fantasy book. 
They would say, no, this is supposed to be intrigue, and you've written fantasy, but you don't have any shields and swords. That's how ridiculous it sounds. Right. This coming from the AP just now. Congressional Democrats pressed their demands for full disclosure of a whistleblower's complaint about President Donald Trump and intensified their calls for impeachment. They're going to look so bad when this is over with. Trump insisted anew he did nothing wrong in his conversation with Ukraine's leader that is at the center of the complaint. Republican lawmakers have remained largely silent amid the reports amid the reports that the president pressured the Ukrainian leader to help investigate it, uh, investigate political rival Joe Biden at the same time the White House was withholding $250 million in aid to the Eastern European nation. Why was the president withholding the money? He said, corruption. How much corruption was there in the Ukrainian government? If you don't talk about that corruption, why would you give money to a country that you think is corrupt? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's it. He was having a jo- straight Joe Biden says, I'm going it. to withhold a billion and a half dollars because this prosecutor is corrupt. Oh, by the way, he happens to be investigating the boss of my son, but apparently that has nothing to do with it, huh? But Trump says, I'm going to discuss withholding money because of corruption. That's corrupt. Wait, what? Or to borrow a phrase from your boy Biden, come on, man. That's what's going on here, Dave. There's no pretense. Can I take you back a couple of weeks? Please do. A couple of weeks, there was a story that came out in the New York Times about a woman Mm -hmm. that said that she had had Kavanaugh's penis put in her hand mm-hmm. at a at a pre, at a uh, mm-hmm. at a party mm-hmm. when they were going to uh, the um, university, mm-hmm. and they published the article. And everybody, all the candidates for the Democrats, impeach, said, impeach, impeach. Him, impeach him, and then suddenly it came out that the person who was supposed to supposed to happen to said he didn't remember it. Yeah. Has no recollection None of the of event. It. Then they talked to the reporter and they said, well, how do you not put that in the story? And the reporter said, well, I had it in. And then the editor wanted to take the name of the person out. And in doing so, also took out the fact yeah. that she had no memory of these events ever occurring. Yep. Mm, so I wanted to put a period in the sentence that was missing a period. And in the process, neglected to mention that Hitler invaded Europe during World <laughs> War II. Wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. And then they said to her, the reporter, interview, the interviewer uh, interviewing this reporter said, well, did you read the revised draft? Well, yes, I did, but I guess I missed it. Yeah, I just happened, I missed to, it. Just happened to miss it. I got hit in the face with a bat, and I just missed that that happened. What was that? It feels like I got an itch. And guess what? Yeah. Their book, which is a defense of how the Democrats acted mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in going after Kavanaugh, is selling way below the book about how the media and the Democrats went after Kavanaugh. Right, right. During those, and by the way, I'm hoping I'm keep watching my stuff here. Supposedly they're going to be on tomorrow, mm-hmm. two o'clock. We'll right, see. Right. We'll see if it happens. Right. You managed to uh, schedule the interview with the two people who wrote the, one of the most important books of the time that I wanted to be involved <laughs> with exactly when I'm holding class. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, I know.
Thank I you. I tried not to. I tried not to. Mm-hmm. But they, Send your letters, care of Dave Ellswick. <laughs> That's right. You can do that. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got to Ukraine. Let's go back and talk about Iran when we return. We'll do it. And uh, you're going to hear from General Keene uh, from Fox News. He's a, a contributor. He has a lot of very, very important things to say. All right, we continue Dave Ellswick's show and uh, sitting right across from me here in the studio, Robert Steinbach, who is a uh, law professor over at UALR's Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school or the university. So I had forgotten to get that in, and I wanted to make sure you don't get in trouble. I appreciate it. All right, so uh, let's talk about Iran. Uh, What are we going to do? With Iran, we know that uh, the uh, attack in Saudi Arabia had its start uh, in in Iran. Iran, Iran. There's no Iran. question about it. And they used a proxy in a whatever. A, Iran a is responsible. To, to make they, this, they were involved make this, with uh, make this attack. So anyway, uh, Colonel uh, General, not Colonel General. You boy, boy, he would he whack would, me upside the head. Exactly. General Keene was on uh, Maria. Bartoloma's show over the weekend, and uh, she asked him about Iran, and here's what the general had to say. I want to get your take really on Iran and, and what this administration should do, General, because uh, Secretary Pompeo, Vice President Pence have all called this an act of war. What is your take on this, and how do you want the United States to react to Iran attacking the Saudi oil facilities? First of all, do what the administration is currently doing, and that is setting the conditions by going to the U.N., identifying to the international community with declassified evidence that this, the Iranians are the culprits. They are attacking not just Saudi Arabia. They are attacking the world economy to destabilize it and to push it into recession. And every single member of the U.N. has a stake in that. And, and let's put that out there so they understand what is truly at risk here. And further isolate Iran politically, diplomatically, and economically. And I think we can accomplish that. But then the second thing is to stop them from continuing to hurt the world economy and push it into recession. That will take some limited military response to do just that. And I think we can get some participation in it, but let's not expect an overwhelming large coalition to participate in that. The will out there is not there for that. The United States will have to lead this effort. Why? Because it's in our national interest to protect the world from a global accession and what it would do to our own economy and to our own people are doing that. Well, yeah, so yeah, I do advocate that we have a limited military response. Well, the, these are provocations that may keep up without something, some kind of a response from the U.S., but a limited military response means what? I mean, are we going to war with Iran? Are you worried about any military response, small or large? You know, that's, that's a very good question, because the bravado and the hubris of the Iranians is that if you do anything to us, it means all-out war. Well, that's absolute nonsense. That's fear-mongering that they're doing to uh, what? 
to push back on us responding at all or, or responding in any way that, that truly hurts them. And I do worry, Maria. We have civilian policymakers that I'm very familiar with that are in the Pentagon. And they, they, they have this fear. They get paralyzed by the fear of the Iranians' reaction. And they don't see through the smoke screen. And here's what they have done in the past. And I don't want them to do it here. They set up options and exaggerate the risk so much so that they steer the decision maker, in this case, the president of the United States, to select an option that isn't robust enough to impose cost on the Iranians and therefore stop their behavior. Do I have any evidence of that? Yes, I do. When sarin gas was used in 2017 by the Assad regime, it was the second time they used it, once before in Obama. The president made the right call, military response. Let's target them. However, these policymakers steered that decision to be a weak military response as opposed to a strong one, given it was the second attack. And what happened? We didn't deter them. They actually conducted another sarin gas attack because that response is so weak. That is what I'm concerned about. I don't want to see that happen again to this president where policymakers fear, exaggerate the risk disproportionately, and we don't come up with a satisfactory response that deters the Iranians from this kind of behavior. But, but you also have said in the past that the, the pressure campaign is working. I mean, the, the, the administration deepened the sanctions. Are you comfortable with the response so far in terms of more sanctions? Yes, absolutely. The escalation of sanctions has been a hallmark of the administration and one of the significant successes that we've had in ever dealing with the Iranians in 39 years. But here's the problem. They are escalating kinetically and our sanctions in of themselves, while they're hurting the economy, will not stop their kinetic escalation. I see. And, it, and it hasn't stopped them yet. And they're going to keep coming to see if they can hurt the global economy. That's what this is about. If they hurt the global economy, they believe the pressure will be put on President right. Trump then to back off the sanctions. All right. Now, let's add a little bit more fuel there to the fire for you. And, uh, and I got to bring this to you real quickly. This is from Al Jazeera. Oh, great. Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said the United Kingdom will take part in a U.S.-led military effort to bolster Saudi Arabia's defenses as he accused Tehran of being behind this month's attacks on two major oil facilities in the kingdom. Oh, great. And that was from a, a a plane flight coming to the United States to the meetings at the U.N. Mm -hmm. That's great. Boris Johnson is on board. There's going to be other European nations. Look, they can't take the chance of a full-scale recession because the Iranians cut off the oil. Mm-hmm. Come back and talk more about this in a moment. Chris Corbett's here. He's going to be back with us on Friday. He happened to be in the area because these two guys are going to go to a movie that I want to see, and they didn't get a hold of me in time so that I could be invited to go exactly. with them. But Because they didn't really want me there. But the bottom line is... It ain't true. <laughs> the bottom line is, he'll be here Friday from 4 to 6 for the second edition of Ask the Attorney, where you can ask any legal question and get some really good advice. And uh, I, we hope, if you want to just email me them, you can do that. Just send them to dave at salemlr.com, salem 
lr.com and uh, i'll hold on to them and then i'll ask chris here in the studio and if i'm not mistaken mr steinbach might come by might as well by. fantastic might he might be by. here as well so you're a big sci-fi buff, huh, Chris? I'm a love sci-fi. Okay. I, I hate to say it, but I, I didn't read a book in high school. And when I got to college, I went to the bookstore and said, you know, I'm buying all these books for college. I want a book for myself. And a, a young uh, worker in there said, well, what do you like? I said, I like sci-fi. What do you give you? Orson Scott Card, Ender's Game. Okay. <laughs> you know what that you yeah, like? Sure. Oh, yeah. man. Terrible movie, great book. Got, I agree. Terrible movie, great book. Well, they tried to put too much in it. Yeah. That's what the and, the, and the last few pages changed the whole book. Yeah, so. absolutely. But yeah, I my my first real big sci-fi book, Heinlein. Oh, you know? okay. So I read so Heinlein. It was really really good stuff. Nice. And then I read Starship Starship Troopers. Oh yeah. And my life changed. <laughs> and my life That's a good changed. Movie. I like that, that movie. movie was fun. I like it, it really was. I liked Michael Ironside. In it. Yeah, he was oh, really he was good. Awesome. Yeah, he's always good in those movies. <laughs> That was a good movie. I like that movie. A friend of mine recommended it to me when it was on video. Kill the bugs! Exactly. Anyway. And he's like, you really like it. I said, I never heard of it. He said, go watch it. And I was like, oh, that was great. It was a fun movie. Yeah. It, it really fun. was a fun movie. But I, I, I really liked it. But anyway, ask the attorney this Friday from 4 until 6. I'll keep reminding this whole week about it. And I don't want any of this, you know, I'm scared to call people might. Understand you won't be able to pick up my voice. Just call yourself Boris or Natasha. Right I don't on. care. That's all you got to do. You know, put your hand. If you do like this, people can't understand who you are. Just <laughs> well, send Dave right. an email yeah, send with an your email. question, and Dave will read the email. I'll read the email. Talk about here. it generically. That's yeah. Right. What yeah. would you do? Trust. If? You ask about trust. Sure. I got a good one for you. Ask about, because of all these crazy Democrats, ask about a gun trust. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Probably yeah. a good one to talk yeah. about. Uh, you want to talk about trust. You talk about divorce. You want to talk about, you know, how, you know, do do guys get screwed over more than women do yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. We can get into all of that. And Chris, this time, will not be, won't sit away from the microphone and, and talk real low. That's right. I've been yeah, he's going He's coming. He's going to bring it. Bring your questions. Bring the, it. Bring the question it. you ask might benefit two or three others. That's exactly they right. Bring your question. Too. He's going to bring the answer. Well, and Chris, in all seriousness, Chris is an expert on construction law, yeah. Freedom of Information Act yes. law. Um, he's, he's a patent Collection lawyer. Collection law, yeah, patents. And which is very unusual in Arkansas. There are very few of them. He's a, Because he's an engineer. Right. Uh, pa, uh, what was it? Collections. Engineer? Yeah. yeah, Collections. Uh, there was another area. I'm only a oh, surveyor, and, surveyor in training, though. Right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and also, you've been doing uh, criminal matters. Yes, you bet. Yeah, both as defense and prosecutor. Both sides. Yeah. So that's why Chris. He's ready to that's talk why to I'm going to get Chris to run for uh, Rayport's uh, old seat. Yeah, we've been talking to him that's about right. this. We've been we've been trying to twist his arm, but I'm Chris interested. has got like a 32-inch arm, so it's not that easy to get it behind <laughs> his He's back. He's got to make up his you know? mind here by uh, November. No, no, it's the following Oh, the right, right. That's Rayper, right. Yeah, right. That's so right. So we, 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 we can a little time. slowly pull on that arm. We'll, we'll get it behind his back at some point. Yeah. 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 You pull hard, okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you know what will happen when he gets into the legislature? Uh, he'll be one of the smartest guys there. Yes, he will be. That's right. He's always, that. always. Oh, always I can hear all my buddies in the legend. What about me? Okay. 
He's uh Yeah, Kim, you're smart, buddy. Kim is smart. Yeah. Bob's smart. You're uh, smart. Dan buddy, will be way, in the Senate. Common soon. smart. Kim common has sense. some of the most common sense of anyone that I've met and you often see politicians who lack that and Kim has a real sense of you know what is how something can go wrong and how something can go right and that's really what you want in an elected official. And then we want to be able to get Dan Sullivan over there. Oh, Dan Sullivan and is the, going to get over there. I mean, there's no question. Dan Sullivan's going to be uh, in the Senate for uh, Craig Hag- Craig Head County. Mm-hmm. Uh, what county are you in again? Faulkner County. Faulkner, right, right. right. So we'll get we'll get you in there, and then you know we'll start continuing to pursue the conservative agenda, Dave, that you and I have been talking about, that we've made significant inroads on, but, but not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, incidentally, let me tell your listening audience, let's talk, if you don't mind, Dave, I want to change the topic Go. a little bit. You don't want to talk about Iran? Well, I, you know, Iran, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Saudi Arabia is going to make it into a giant parking lot in a few weeks. Kill anyway, them all, so, the gods you know, separate them. Right? No, I'm you just, just kidding. You get, you get the black top and you you stick a big thing f- to get the oil out and you just drive up and fill up your... into a big mirror. Right. Um, so let's talk about guns for a minute because one thing I wanted to point out is some of the great gun advocates... And by that, I mean Second Amendment. I'm not being facetious here. But there are different guns. Well, I'm for the Second Amendment. That means the right to bear arms, which are guns. And yes. We're two-way guys. Yes, two-way. Exactly. And so uh, Bob Ballinger, who will be uh, the next attorney general, uh, pointed out to me that he helped pass a bill last session that says uh, all licensed attorneys are entitled to bring their concealed carry weapon into a courthouse the same way they're entitled to do so, of course, in the Capitol building. And that, and I was unaware of that change. Mm -hmm. And so that's a real positive change. So if you're an attorney, licensed attorney, and you appear in uh, courts uh, around Arkansas, not federal, state courts only, um, then you're allowed to bring your firearm in and, and be sure to get a copy of that law so as to tell the uh, people manning the gate, so to speak, at the courthouse in case they're unaware of it. There was a, a, an idea that came up for interim study that was shot down. Garner. Yes. Miss Garner. Denise Garner. Not Trey Garner, all right. Yeah, who who I'm not so happy with either, by the way. We've talked she about that before. Yeah. Collins' place. Yeah, she took uh, Charlie Collins, who was, in fact— uh, one of the strongest advocates for the Second Amendment, and he is the one that brought about what is commonly known as campus carry, but of course it's a lot broader than campus carry. It allows people with a concealed carry license to carry in various locations, including on the state campuses, because remember, those state campuses don't belong to those unelected bureau hacks. It belong, they belong to the people of the state of Arkansas. Belongs to you. Right. And who... And who uh, oh, um, Makes decisions for the people of the state of Arkansas, our elected officials, not unelected bureaucrats. That's right. And so when you hear, well, you see, we took a vote at the at the uh, University of uh, such and such Southern uh, left wing of Arkansas, uh, and we decided we don't want any guns on campus. Uh, my response is, goody for you. You better pony up several million dollars for the land of that property, uh, uh, for the value of that property, and privatize that public school. Because it don't belong to you. It's like, all oh, the Walmart workers have decided we're going to close at 9 tonight. You don't own Walmart. 
<laughs> Sorry, the shareholders of Walmart own Walmart, and you you know you know you know when you're closing, you're not because it's open twenty four hours. <laughs> so I just love how these local elected or unelected rather bureau hacks and left wing academics decide well we can't have guns on our campus because uh, we we run the campus and they and they have that philosophy, Dave. Because, you know, the university of left wing is, is so commonly of the mind of barking to students what they must do, they think they're bosses of the world. That's right. And then they get out into the real world, you know, and they push a shopping cart just like you and I do. Uh, and it's or it's real- like we used to say, put on their pants one leg at yeah, a time. Yeah, but I'm not right. sure I'm not sure they're putting on their pants one leg. They're probably they wearing may be a, putting a dress on. Well, I think they're wearing a skirt. Right, so that they, you see, they wear a squirt so they don't know. This way they can be... Uh, um, Male or female. Yeah, ge- no gender. They're not picking a gender, it's no gender. They don't want to be offensive to anybody, so this way they have no gender. In any event, uh, they have an agenda. Well, I know and, that there's something that they don't have, so... Well, but whether or not they choose a gender, they have an agenda, and it's a leftist agenda. Yeah, and well, so we, when, we need more yeah. folks like Turning Point USA. That's right. Step forward and file something. Love that's those exactly man. right. You look at all these signs in my studio. That's who sent them to me. That's right. Nice. Chris, Good friends with nice. those guys. Chris was involved in the negotiation on the Dave Ellswick um, Freedom of Speech on Campus bill. Yep. Yes. Yes. Chris could tell you how when we were talking with folks at what what school is that was it ASU ASU yeah. ASU, ASU that's right the Red Wolves the that's Red right Chris Wolves. was there and because we went they up were to two two wussies to stick with uh, we got invited oh what they have they used to have you know one of those Indian names. oh was some sort of Indian name and that guy oh, that's right I didn't know that that's right I I I'm, I'm I can't say what the name is. I've already gone. You're not I'm, allowed I'm, to? Look, I'm already in Facebook jail. Really? You're yeah. That's you mean why, you know the name and you can't say it? Yeah, that's why people... Spell it out! So people can't... <laughs> Zach, what is it? I don't know the name! People can't... Well, maybe if Zach says, Zach, ASU, before they were the Red Wolves, were the what? Uh, they were the Indians. Thank you! Oh! All right. Anyway. Not allowed to say that? No. Anyway, bottom line is this. Uh, you know, we had a picture of ISIS up. On our, our website, yeah, we would put in Facebook jail because of it. Put in Facebook jail, right? Because they can't tell the difference between being for or against. That's right? I, evidently not. Oh my gosh! Just let everybody. That's why we're not on Facebook Live today. Right now, you yeah. were censored. Yes, of course they were. Absolutely shut down. That's exactly. what they do. I can't say it's censored because it's not a government agency. Right. Oh. It's a quasi-government. When we come back, just for I Christmas. want to pick up on the Garner stuff. Okay, we're going to do that, stuff. And I want to play. We want to get this in, too. I've got a piece. From Sheila Jackson Lee and some other oh, Democrats gosh, about two A oh, that you got to hear it. It's, oh, you got to hear we this. We got it for Chris and you as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Okay, we can finish up with Garner now. So uh, yeah, so Terry Garner, Rice did what? Well, Garner wants to introduce a uh, for consideration for an interim study a bill that says if you carry concealed, you have to have multiple protections, excuse me, on your on your holster. So you think, oh, okay, yeah, well, whatever. But if you carry concealed, you typically carry it inside the belt, right? It's a holster that actually goes inside the belt, not on the outside, like a duty holster, like a police holster. And the multiple safeties essentially boils down to like a snap safety. You can't put a snap safety on an inside the belt holster because then you can't get the gun out. 
And that's the true goal of the lefties, you see. It's a combination of extreme ignorance when it comes to guns. We're going to hear that in the clip you're about to play, Dave, right? Yep, yep. And the fact that they really want to put in place under the guise of safety aspects that prevent you from actually carrying or using your gun. You want to buy an inside-the-belt holster with a snap safety? They don't make it. It don't exist. <laughs> so that's why it's a ball of crazy. And so when the the folks in the legislature said, we're not going to send to legislative, to interim study, a ball of crazy, uh, it may have been a rare occurrence, but it makes sense. You want to send something that at least has makes logical sense, logical sense. You can't carry a gun inside the belt with a thumb brake safety. So we're not going to send that kind of nonsense to interim study. This is because they have a bunch of concealed handgun weapons owners hurting themselves? Uh, no. Is it? And, and, and shooting others, apparently, uh, right? And they're falling out. And they're talking about stuff like how babies pick up guns. What's it? That's not on a holster. Oh, That's man. when guns are unattended or guns oh, are left man. in purses. You know, yeah, don't put a gun in a purse without some other protection. Well, that's right. Wow. That's that's what we're talking about. But, of course, there's one state. They state the problem, and then they state the proposed solution that has nothing to do with the problem. They, oh, right. We've got all so these. That's the we, way it always works. Yeah, we've got these school shootings. Let's do away with uh, AR-15s. Well, we're going to hear yeah. that. When we hear Bloomberg in this, he's the third person. Yeah, yeah. Play, let's this. go to that. Tape. Let's we play this. Cecilia Jackson Lee. Uh, probably the dimmest bulb in Congress uh, is going to start this off. Go. Uh, my bill that I've introduced dealing with, with the caliber weapon, I've held an AR-15 in my hand. I wish I had it. It is as heavy as 10 boxes that you might be moving. Uh, and the bullet that is utilized, a 50 caliber, these kinds of bullets... Uh, need to be licensed and do not need to be on the street. Are you, in fact, in favor of gun confiscation? Yes. When it comes to AR-15s and AK-47s, weapons designed for use on a military battlefield, the high-impact, high-velocity round that is fired from those weapons, when it hits your body, expends all of its kinetic energy, destroying everything that's inside. Well, let's just look at the assault weapons ban. Yep. We had one in this country for 10 years. Every single weapon used by the shooter in Connecticut yep. would have been okay under the old assault weapons law. They were all exceptions. Yeah, okay, so the law was flawed. Fix it. Isn't it pretty hard to define what is an assault weapon? Because it's so easy to write around for manufacturers to create weapons that... Well, if it can fire a lot of bullets very quickly... That's a good definite, good place to start, okay? And, and then you can argue what a lot is. Okay, let's pick it. Let's say three. If you haven't hit the deer with three shots, you're a pretty lousy shot. That deer deserves to get away. Let's get serious here. But that would ban most pistols. That would ban most... No, but pistols are different. You have to pull the trigger each time. An assault weapon, you basically hold it, goes... Blah, blah, blah. No, those are fully automatic weapons. Okay. But just to be clear on the law, and I'll get with you on the politics, but on the law... He said, yes, you can have regulations, but remember what they struck down. You couldn't even tell people how to store their weapons disassembled. And he says weapons in common usage get the protection of an individual right. The AR-15, for good, bad, or indifferent, is the most commonly owned in the country. Yeah. Chris, I'm, I'm willing to fight that one all the way to the end because it is not common. It is unusual. 
And, and no one in this country, including owners of AR-15s and AK-47s, think that what is happening right now is okay. The time has come, America, to step up and ban these weapons. The other very important part of this bill is to ban large-capacity ammunition feeding devices, those that hold over 10 rounds. We have federal regulations and state laws that prohibit hunting ducks with more than three rounds, and yet it's legal to hunt humans with 15-round, 30-round, even 150-round magazines. This is a ghost gun. This right here has ability with a 30 caliber clip to disperse with 30 bullets within half a second. 30 magazine clip in half a second. Is that Booker? That's who that sounds like. Is that like. Booker? That sounds like Booker. I couldn't couldn't pick up who that was. It, these they thirty it's literally cal- word thirty jumble. caliber right a thirty clip. caliber thirty caliber clip. clip thirty magazine clip. Now look, <laughs> I, what he's really trying to say is a clip that holds thirty bullets. But oh my gosh, get one of the words right. How's that? <laughs> I'm just, just too funny. You know, and Bloomberg. Bloomberg. But you see, now that's the difference between choosing the wrong word and being goofy. Yeah, Bloomberg. And, you got to pull the trigger each time with a pistol, but you know, yeah. an assault weapon, you push it one time. Yeah, yeah. You push it. You push it one time, and apparently it gives a gas. Yeah, it's right? amazing. And Par- then Sheila Jackson Lee, I held an AR-15 one time, yeah. weighed like ten boxes that I was moving, and that fifty caliber bullet that it shoots. Yeah, exactly. what? man. Well, that's the, she held the only existing fifty caliber, caliber AR fifteen. Evidently, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's remarkable. That's it, that thing would be worth ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Too good. That's that's better than having a squad assault weapon. No, my lord. Yeah, how do you get a fifty caliber AR fifteen? Well, they're they're ignorant on the Second Amendment, and they're ignorant on the on the type of caliber. Everything. I mean, everything. On guns. Everything. On how a gun shoots. That it's a, not a machine gun. It's not an automatic weapon. It doesn't go. Brr. I mean, seriously, that this guy wanted to be president, and he's making policy, and the standard by which he's making policy is no guns that go. Brr. Really? Well, it's the same guy who said you could. You couldn't buy a thir- a twenty uh, ounce soda, but That's you could right. buy two twelve yeah. ounces. That's right. You, well, you know the twenty four ounce soda, you could get the jet ski in, and then you could go that way. You could motor boat oh, the jet ski. Gosh. <laughs> Let's talk to Larry. Larry, how are you? Larry, this is your hero. How are you this? Evening? I'm doing good, Mister Witherspoon. What's up? Well, I was. Uh, I, I just lost my thunder. There is not even a full. Auto, at least for the public, that can shoot thirty rounds in a second. <laughs> it ain't happening. It ain't yeah. happening. One thousand one. That's a lot 30, of bullets in maybe, that time. Yeah, yeah, thirty rounds. Now maybe you can get thirty rounds out in three seconds. That's mm-hmm. the fastest I think we ever counted when we were shooting Uzi full autos. Full auto Uzis. I think it was taking about maybe. Two and a half to three seconds to get thirty rounds. It's because those Israelis are really smart. <laughs> those guys are so full of themselves and such liars. <laughs> it just blows me away. I the ignorance. I knew you would love to hear that, Larry. I got to go. We're out of time. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. That just tells you what we're up against. Stupid is as stupid says, and the media says nothing. nothing. They don't know. That is because the media. They don't. They, they are don't even, the media. They don't even know it. They don't even understand it. They themselves don't even figure it out.
All right, we're out of time. Tomorrow, power panels here. Bible guys are here. But today, Robert Steinbach was here. And Chris Corbett. And God Chris bless. Corbett. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for watching, guys. Thank you we'll, t- we'll see you on Friday. Let's take a break. More tomorrow, starting at 2. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.